This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And we are a day late, um, so apologies everybody, it is because I came back from a weekend in London with a stinking, disgusting cold, which I still kind of have, so apologies for the even more nasal than usual <laughs> tones. But you're improving rapidly thanks to everyone's well wishes yes. on Instagram, so you know what guys, the Sweet Valley magic, it works. <laughs> it does, thank you to everybody who said, uh, who said good vibes. Um, well, we are back with a whole new book, uh, the deeply inaccurately uh, titled Death Threat. Uh, yeah, it sounds so ominous, but like, it's not. No, it, it's there's no death threat, at least not in the classic sense of a traditional death threat. No. Or, uh, yeah, a death implied. Very, very much uh, the implication of death threat. <laughs> and we love the implication here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess they couldn't use kidnapped with an exclamation <laughs> mark again. Uh, or they're... hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Both of which they have done. But um, I guess they just had to say, well, you know, can we make it sound a bit more dangerous? But like Ooh. a death threat is when somebody threatens to kill you. Mm-hmm. It isn't really what you say about a kidnapping when you're like, something bad's going to happen unless you get <laughs> this money, which is what's happening here. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, it is death threat. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> so I'm just looking at the cover, which uh, is quite extraordinary. But we will start off with tagline and blurb. Karen, can you share the tagline, please? It is simply two words. <laughs> High stakes. <laughs> well... <laughs> Aren't they even high? It's there's just a web of lies going on here. So you'll see, listeners. Yeah. Yes, it's very convoluted. No one's making things easy for themselves. No, you know, n- the usual. <laughs> nothing relates to anything in previous books. <laughs> I mean, really, at this stage, the ghostwriters were doing a lot of improvising. Like this, mm. this ghostwriter, I don't think has read a single book in the entire series. No. And I mean, they were banging them out at such a rate. And I think a few people have suggested that they were probably all being written in or about the same time. Oh, so it was just yeah, 100%. Of, Here's an outline of what happens in this book. Just fucking wing it. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and nobody bothered bothered to the proofreading, you know, stage of things. So actually, do you know what? That didn't actually happen in book 107. So we're going to change it. <laughs> nope. It was just like fine, first draft, banging mm-hmm. off to the printers. We've got a deadline, people. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> Well, let us uh, let us share the blurb. Um, see how inaccurate or accurate this is. This is a uh, I'm reading it this week, and it is a surprise to me because mm. I did not have it in the Kindle. So Kat, uh, Karen just sent it uh, via WhatsApp. So my reactions will be completely <laughs> spontaneous. Ooh, a little peek behind the scenes there for everybody. Yes, <laughs> our pre-show admin. <laughs> Sue Gibbons, Jessica Wakefield's biggest rival has been kidnapped. 
No, oh my God. <laughs> Just weeks after gorgeous Jeremy Randall left her at the altar for Jessica, things have gone from bad to worse for the Wakefield's house guest. Over the sure have. Oh my God. And how? <laughs> also, is it several months? It's, Wasn't he gone it's, for like two months? It's Halloween. <laughs> and like, this little mini series started at the height of summer. So make it make sense. <laughs> well, I mean, that's asking too much. <laughs> it continues. Now Sue's captor is threatening to kill her if the Wakefields don't pay up. I guess that's the death threat because he I doesn't guess, really you know. threaten to kill her in the book. It's more mm, just yeah. like, it's, you won't be happy. It's, yes. you know, it's more vague. <laughs> As death threat purists, which it turns out that we are. Yeah, we're not happy with that. <laughs> Jeremy, Jessica's fiance, insists he'll find the kidnapper and Jessica and Elizabeth are determined to help. But when Jessica discovers Jeremy in the wrong place at the wrong time, she smells rash. Will Jessica have to betray the man of her dreams in order to save Sue's fortune and her life? <laughs> The fourth title in a spellbinding five-part, I mean, in miniseries, Sweet Valley will never guess the truth. I mean, <laughs> they should guess the truth because Jeremy is extremely suspicious and Jessica is very gullible. Oh my God, he's so suspicious. He's the most suspicious man in the world. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, he's also the most... Surprised looking man in the world on the cover of this book, in which nobody bears any resemblance <laughs> to any previous iterations. Honestly, it's there's just uh, I don't know why we ever expect consistency anymore, but we continue to to uh, I don't know nurture these hopes, and they are dashed every single time because uh, who are these people? Uh, <laughs> I feel this is an insult to the memory of James Matthews. Honestly, he created. Yeah. Who are these girls? Like there is there was a very definite face that the Wakefields had, and he I, this new guy just threw those faces out the window. It's outrageous. Oh, they're different faces in every um, in every book. Every book, every cover, this yeah. is different. Like, who? All these models, all these blonde women were in New York. I guess were just way too busy and could not be booked a second time. <laughs> but like, yeah. So anyway, we uh, it, look. It is quite the dramatic cover, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's inaccurate, which is to be expected. Yes, of um, course. Not just in terms of people having the right face, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So on, on one side, we've got, I guess, Jeremy. <laughs> Um, in a terrible uh, striped shirt, it's like vertical oh my stripes. I don't know they're red or orange. It's a white shirt. It's got. It's not a good look. No. Uh, his his hair. I don't know. It's kind of like the hair from the the cover with the wedding, a little bit. Mm, but again, different, a different guy. Like this is a different person. Um. Anyway, he's holding a phone to his ear. Liz is beside him. Liz in inverted commas. So randomer. Some random blonde girl uh, yeah. with a nice fringe. Uh, she is listening, uh, looking very gobsmacked, I guess uh-huh. is one word for it. Uh, and in the background, hilariously, we've got Jessica throwing absolute daggers <laughs> at the pair of them. <laughs> just kind of just looming in the background, uh, just looking kind of over her shoulder and just kind of like, I don't like this. <laughs> uh, she's really pissed off and it's quite funny. It's a weird 
tone for that oh. cover. Take for that little bit. She's also standing in front of what looks like a very bland landscape painting. Yes. Like a ornate gold frame. I'm like, this is not something that Alice Wakefield oh. is hanging on the walls. Like, that isn't going with the Spanish that. tiles. No. It really isn't. This is like three star hotel room. <laughs> you know, it's a hotel lobby. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm not buying this at all. Uh, so that's kind of one half of oh, the cover. Also, her hair is super 80s. Like this is it's not 1994 hair. That's right. Because yeah, it is 94. I suppose Liz's hair is pretty 94 because she's got a kind of half up, half down type of thing. Yeah, kind of she does have quite a poofy fringe though, which like definitely on mm. this side of the Atlantic was very passe. Like the twins above the title look authentically 90s. Mm, they do. That's fair. They also yeah. look more like James's twins. Yeah, so those two are kind of hanging in there just floating above it all wondering <laughs> what the hell happened. <laughs> um, and then kind of the other half of the cover, we've got Sue. Now, I will say, in fairness to the painter, she is wearing her witch costume from True. the previous book. So she's tied to a chair. She looks quite distressed. Uh-huh. Uh, she's got her short little choppy black hairdo. It's quite a nice hairdo, actually. Yeah, yeah it is pretty cool. It looks, and it looks 90s enough, I think. To, it does, yeah to work to uh, and then kind of in the foreground there's like these two big like mystery hands uh, <laughs> <laughs> looming towards her in a very threatening manner one is holding a phone I think it's possibly the cellular phone that has lots of mentions um, but she's in the cabin we can see the kind of timber wall and a little square window looking out onto trees um, so all very atmospheric over on that side extremely inaccurate on the other side mm-hmm. it's just a whole combo of things going on there <laughs> It's chaos, um, it is. which is what we expect from these books at this stage. Like, God be yeah. be with the days that uh, uh, where James Matthews would depict Liz putting her hand on some unsuspecting randomer's shoulder. You know, my kingdom for a shoulder pat at this oh, stage. Oh, God. Just can't been, beat the classics. <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> well, we begin... Um, initially I thought it would be where the last book ended, but mm. actually it's about five pages before oh the last book God. ended. Yeah, so they kind of they kind of spend ages like resetting the scene for us and getting it wrong because of course they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, we're, we're just trying to get up to the point where Jeremy has turned up at the door after Jessica and Liz left the party uh, in a panic because of course Jess saw him kissing Sue in the forest. So he's kind of here now to plead his case, they reckon, and Liz is not having it. Yeah. By the way, part of the retcon, like the the recapping, we're told that uh, Sue's illness uh, was revealed when Jeremy was about to break it off with her. And then she like was dying, which isn't true. And we're also Mm. told Jessica never believed in the mystery illness. But like, Mm. that isn't true either. Yeah, they also in this kind of like getting us up to where we left off in the last book, kind of mentioned something about how Jeremy like couldn't find um, Jessica after she saw him in the woods. But like there was a whole scene where he was pleading with her in the Jeep and appealing to Liz for help, the absolute cheek of him, who then got to like very satisfyingly like spray him with gravel as she peels the fuck out of there in her Jeep. So they just did away with all that. (laughs) I mean, that's even part of his excuse um, Mm. for like... Um, for not knowing where where what's happened to Sue is that he was you know running around looking for Jessica, yeah. um. So uh, yeah, he says uh, he also says it really this seems so inappropriately casual when Jeremy she says um you know she left she vanished disappeared after you and Jessica left and Liz's like what do you mean disappeared she goes vanished vamoosed not a trace of her and he clicks his fingers. 
Jeremy is not taking this seriously. <laughs> so basically, he then spins a yarn about uh, Sue dragging him off the woods to talk to him in private. And of course, it was she who made a move on him. Mm. Yeah, he pleads that he was just trying to comfort her and there's nothing between him and Sue. And Jessica, the Egypt, is like, oh I believe you, honey, uh, because she's just so absolutely blinded by Jeremy's hotness that she's just willing to forgive. And it's a shame because where is the old Jessica? <laughs> oh, well, Liz does uh, several times in this book. Liz basically mm. asks that very question because this is ridiculous. Like she's just she's elated at the news. It was all a misunderstanding. Like. Why are you buying this when you saw him like pressing her up against a tree? Genuinely, he was cedar smushed against that tree. <laughs> like, come on, Jess. <laughs> she thinks Sue was naive to think she could get away in the way of their love. And uh, when Liz notices this tender moment, she feels genuinely sick. And thank fuck somebody says this at last. Says Elizabeth hadn't approved of Jeremy ever since he did expressed an interest in her sister. Jeremy was 23 years old, much too old for a girl of 16. Oh my God, no fucking kidding, lads. <laughs> Jesus. Like, <laughs> fuck, someone said it. Honestly. <laughs> and then we get the twin comparison. But what's particularly bizarre about this one is that it takes place in, in, in it sort of is in the context of Liz's thoughts. Like, she is literally thinking how different we are. Um, <laughs> it's like, even their activities reflected their different personalities, mused Elizabeth. <laughs> like, <For> God's sake. <laughs> Really, this this is the time you. Sue's gone missing. Let me just reflect on the ways in which my twin sister and I are different from each other. Like, damn it, Liz, get your head in the game. But I can't blame her for actually getting distracted because apparently Jeremy and Jessica are still all over each other. And uh, Liz sighs audibly, tired of witnessing the tender reconciliation between the two lovebirds. I mean, you and me both, Liz. Honestly, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this is when Jeremy says that uh, after Jessica ran away, it's like, I couldn't find you anywhere. But I then um, I went back to the clearing and Sue was gone. It's like, you literally did find her. Um, Bullshit. Like he should be picking gravel out of his fucking honey blonde hair. That's what he should be <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> I'm so annoyed they've retconned that uh, spray of gravel because I was so pleased with it last time. <laughs> oh, it was so dramatic. Hmm. Well, uh, we get another. We get a flashback to Sue's um, suicide attempt, um, or was it? And and she wonders if this disappearance is another cry for help. But then she starts thinking of all the terrible things that could have happened to uh, to Sue, like hmm. you know, a young woman alone in the woods. So she thinks, what if she had been abducted by a band of fugitives, or killed by a deranged murderer, or wounded by a wild animal in the woods? These are all things that have happened to Liz and her circle in the last say, like these are in any other context these are like the kind of wild conclusions you'd be jumping to in a panic but it's like no no this is Sweet Valley all of these things are extremely all too plausible I mean you've been kidnapped Liz in fact so Jessica remember she was putting a boot Oh no, that was Liz was putting the boot instead because he got mixed up. Oh, you're right. So she's been kidnapped twice. Nice. Regina was held hostage. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, they both had a, a deranged murderer on their tail for a while there. Well, a few actually, well, considering London as well. So, exactly, yeah. and then wounded by a wild animal. I mean, London counts. 
uh, in that (laughs) as well. So, well, understandably, she's panicking. So she thinks they they need to take action. Yes, they they have to do something. So, um, yeah, Liz is uh, looking to go back out towards the cabin and the woods. She's like, we have to go find her. Like, we can't just abandon Sue like yeah. this is terrible uh, and Jessica and Jeremy are both kind of like mm, no we're good here <laughs> Jeremy's like I've already looked everywhere it's fine Liz is like well if you're not coming I'm going alone so then of course Jeremy's like alright fine let's all go so they all head out and have to do it real quietly because Ned and Alice are oblivious and asleep upstairs somehow in all of this commotion that oh. they go. <laughs> well they drive down the road in Jeremy's car without turning the lights on like Jesus it's two o'clock in the morning do you think everybody's going to be looking out the window going oh no the Wakefield twins are sneaking out. Yeah, probably, because everyone's obsessed with them in this town. <laughs> oh, sorry. What am I saying? <laughs> I'm high on cold medicine, so. <laughs> well, they arrive at the cabin and it's all deserted, obviously, because it's like mm-hmm. two o'clock in the morning. And um, it's raining and the wind is blowing and the cabin's decorations that once were cheerful now look sinister. There's also, to add to the drama, a full red moon. <laughs> That's so dramatic. Also, I've been playing a lot of Zelda lately. So I read that and I was like, oh, Blood Moon, you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeremy says, like, basically sends the twins east and west of the cabin um, and says he'll search directly behind it. And I can't blame, Mm. in fairness, I can't blame Jessica for not being happy about this. Now, I would be unhappy about being expected to wander around a wood um, where somebody might have been kidnapped on my own at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, she's just like, I want to be with you, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, it's not even self-preservation. It's just that she's annoyed she's not getting to hang out with them. Yeah. So, uh, but um, Liz presumes that the reason she's going along with it is uh, because she wants to prove she could be just as down to earth and adventuresome as Jeremy and Sue. Um, So they decide to to just wander around the woods, basically. There's not really any structured plan for this. They'll just uh, wander back again at half three. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Jeremy gives Liz a torch, but not Jessica. (laughs) Yeah, apparently it's like, no, it's, the woods are darker where Liz is going, you don't need a torch, off you fuck. <laughs> Just go by the light of the blonde moon. There you go, you'll be fine. <laughs> so they head off into the darkness and <laughs> Jeremy does not head into the woods. And in what I could only describe as a insanely camp gothic scene, he returns to the cabin. <laughs> returns to the cabin but like he's got like a kerosene lamp or something extremely weird with him um, like this was then, a place where there was a full on party with a live party. band like for the whole few hours ago. <laughs> yeah basically um, yeah like this is like a couple of hours after the party has finished up and everyone's gone home um, but yeah so anyway he sneaks off into the cabin with his fucking old timey lamp um, <laughs> it's all real spooky in there because there's pumpkins all over the gaff there's you know decorations up on the walls and yeah he heads for 
he heads up the staircase um, <laughs> to look for uh, an outline in the ceiling, apparently, in one of the rooms and finds a small copper latch hidden in the wooden beams. <laughs> so he pulls down like a trap door, but like a trap door is in the floor. So I guess they mean like a, you know, Styra, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Attic stairs. Yeah. Uh, whatever the generic general term is for attic <laughs> stairs that isn't specifically Styra, which yeah. is very Irish. Uh, it's the <laughs> Irish for stairs, and it is a brand for like fold down attic stairs. Yeah. <laughs> so do we. Yeah. Actually, or is this isn't actually a proper styra, it's just a knockoff styra, but that's fine. <laughs> well, so is so is ours. Oh, okay. Styra too. Can afford a styra, come on. <laughs> no, come on. You just need a basically a ladder with a wooden ladder with a hinge. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he scampers <laughs> off up this ladder and uh, yeah, we're left wondering what the fuck he's up to. <gasps> well, we cut to Liz <laughs> just wandering around the woods yelling. <laughs> Basically, she's really getting spooked though as well. She keeps expecting to see like a witch on a broomstick flying past and the trees are all spooky. So she's kind of She's worried about Sue, but she's also getting freaked out just by the woods at night and her yeah. imagination. I was going to say is running away with her, but again, she does think, what if some psychotic killer found her and strangled her? And again, all very reasonable thoughts in this town. So, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, there is a bit where she's like, she's feeling her way through the brush with caution, expecting to stumble upon the body at any moment. I'm like, that shouldn't phase her at this stage after all the corpses <laughs> she's seen in the last few months. Like, Honestly, corpses are ten a penny. <laughs> <laughs> but then she notices something. In the cabin. Oh, she can see a light or she thinks she sees mm. a light in the attic. Um, and she kind of squints to try and see more clearly, but then trips over a pumpkin because there's one in the woods, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Um, and she screams when she sees it because when she looks down, she just sees this like face looking up at her and thinks she's like found a severed head. Yeah. But uh, talks herself back down. But by the time she's kind of back looking for this light, she can't see anything. So she's like, damn, am I just completely freaking out here and just letting imagination get the better of me? Yeah. And she's like, OK, back to back to the, the actual plan and uh, starts, yeah, just looking for Sue again and just yelling out Sue, basically. Yes. She wants she just keeps going, Sue, Sue, Sue. Sue. <laughs> <laughs> well, meanwhile, Jessica can't believe she's stomping around the woods looking for her nemesis and, uh, <laughs> you know, keeps wondering, what in the world am I doing here? And then a bat flies over and screeches. Now, what, bats don't screech, surely. I don't think so. Aren't they like super high pitched that you can't hear them? Yeah, the they whole squeak. Thing, right? yeah. they, and they, they do squeak a little bit, but they don't scream. No, like they're... They're not. I mean, I wouldn't like to be in a room with one flying around in my face. But like when you're in the countryside, they're quite cute, like little Mm. uh, flying monkeys or something. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is the final straw for her. Anyway, a bat screeching at her because she thinks it was one thing to be alone in the woods in the dead of night, but quite another to contend with vampires. I mean, I think that's about twenty books down the line, Jessica. I know. (laughs) Just you wait. Hang in there, Jessica. So she's about to get go, but just go back to the car and pretend she was, you know, searching the whole time. But then hmm. she rethinks it. Yes, she reckons that, uh, you know, God, what would what would Jeremy think? He would think that she was a coward, a spoiled prima donna, afraid of the dark. Uh, and he would realise that she didn't care about Sue's welfare because obviously she doesn't. Yes. <laughs> so uh, she can't bear to have him think that she's selfish and unfeeling. So she's I mean, like, no, I'm going to have to just power through this and get it over with. <laughs> I mean, he would be entirely right if he thought oh, yeah. all of these things. So <laughs> it would be um, accurate. <laughs> if the cap fits, Jessica. So uh, basically she rips a branch off a tree and uh, uses it as a a staff, a wooden staff. (laughs) 
Yeah, she's a little blonde wizard wandering yeah. around. I don't say she goes all Gandalf. <laughs> yes, and she feels better because I guess she's got a weapon of some sort with her or at least a big stick. Hmm. So, you know, that's something. She gets all cosmic because she thinks of Jeremy and uh, thinking of him makes her feel awake and alive and her love for him seemed to fill the woodland around her. Um, but uh, then she comes back to Earth and is like, why am I risking my life for Sue anyway? In fact, if she disappear for good, Jessica wouldn't have to worry about Sue's pathetic attempts to get Jeremy back. And, She's and then, so cold. Like, as far as we know, like, Sue so is bothered. genuinely, genuinely missing, like, has been kidnapped. And Jessica's just like, oh, this bitch, she is so annoying. <laughs> if only she would just disappear for good. Solve all my problems. <laughs> Also, then she thinks, um, why doesn't the girl give up? She was getting fed up with Sue's attention-getting ploys. I'm sorry, have you forgotten the fact that you climbed over cinema seats and wrecked a whole cinema's enjoyment of a film to, like, biff the wheel <laughs> their date and then spoiled their wedding after you had thrown a wedding dress under a truck? Like, you can, you, this is a pot kettle black situation. You referring to anyone else's attention getting ploys. Oh, you know, Jessica doesn't like seeing her own behavior reflected back at her. She's just like, no, this person is clearly terrible. Like, yes, think about that for a bit longer, Jessica. Let's investigate that. <laughs> well, we get more retconning because we're told that when uh, Jessica found out about the rare blood disease, she felt guilty for intervening in their, you know, relationship. She didn't. No. No. <laughs> um, so she just hacks aimlessly through the woods and uh, yeah, doesn't really give a search, shit. This whole search is a joke, basically. <laughs> well, joke for a reason, because we cut to the attic of the cabin and who should be there but Sue? Why it's Sue? Her voice is small and frightened because we're going full gothic here. For oh, just like, yeah. <laughs> there's a woman in the attic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she's like, Jeremy, you're back. And Jeremy, uh, yeah, is like, yes, yes, I'm back, sweetheart. And it, it turns out that, yes, there's actually there's bats in the attic too. And Sue is freaked out. She's like, well, I don't like being up here in the dark. It's cramped and dusty. There's bats. This sucks. I hate it here. Uh, and Jeremy like gives out to her for being frightened of the bats. But like, she's obviously in quite a small space with them. And it's like, that's not going to be very nice. Well, he gets hilariously sort of mansplainy and like project nature-y because he's like, Sue, be quiet. It's a harmless mammal. We've been on hundreds of nature hikes together and you've never been afraid of any creature, bird, reptile, rodent or mammal. All right, David Attenborough, relax. (laughs) (laughs) The tone of this whole book is like a whole new level of sort of a weird camp detachment from reality. Like Mm. everything is just a little off, which is kind of in the vibe of a lot of the books recently, but I think they're they're just getting kind of weirder tonally as it comes (laughs) They really are. Everything's much more heightened kind of. And yeah, there's just a strange sheen on everything. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Sue was like, well, I know I'm not usually scared of bird, reptile, rodent or mammal, but you know, now I'm like literally locked in the attic. And Jeremy says, just a few hours more and the inheritance... Will finally be ours. Oh my God. Yes. He's like, all our suffering will have been worth it. <gasps> uh, yeah. And Sue agrees and says, yes, I guess you're right. So clearly they've been in on this whole scam together, the oh. bastards. And like, if he wasn't <gasps> a, an adult um, preying on a child, this, this I would just love thing. Jessica to, like, if they were both 18, say, this would be amazing. 
it w- I would be so into this, like a couple teaming up to scam the Wakefields. Like yeah. I am so on board with that. But like he's a sex offender, so you can't <laughs> even enjoy it because he's such a huge fucking creep. It's just like, oh, this is just gross. Now I can't even enjoy this. <laughs> so thanks for nothing, Jeremy. You continue to be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he get, he surprises Sue. He does. He grabs a gold necklace that she's wearing and just like yanks it right off her neck. Uh, and yes. she freaks out because it's a locket that her mother gave to her on her 16th birthday. Um, God, the series just loves a meaningful necklace for her 16th birthday, doesn't it? Does. Yeah, <laughs> Lavalio's <laughs> lockets. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a picture of her mother in it. So she's like, what are you doing? Give me back my necklace. But he's like, don't worry, you'll get it back. So yeah, so he says he's got to go and asks her if she remembers how to work the recorder. Mm. Um and she's like, yes, but, and starts to protest. But he's just like, oh, don't worry, just sit tight. I'll be back soon. Um, and asks what time the twins are leaving for school. Um, so, he, so when she says 7.30, he's like, then at 7.15 tomorrow morning, we'll get this thing rolling. So he gets them to like synchronize their watches. <laughs> <laughs> and he just leaves her in the fucking attic and heads off down the little stairs. <laughs> and Sue's knowledge of bats gives her... <laughs> Gives her an unsettling thought because she thinks animals never attack unless they're provoked and thinks that the bat going for her was an ill omen. Ooh, <laughs> spooky, you guys. <laughs> when she realises she has to stop this crazy scheme before it's too late, she's like, she's thinking, how did she let this go? things go this far? But like, she has to stop it now. And when she looks for, you know, she turns around to, to tell Jeremy, but he's gone through the hatch. Like, how did she not notice him walking across the attic <laughs> and down this? Like, that's all quite noisy stuff. But she's just like, Jeremy. And she turns around. He was gone. It's like, yeah, no shit, he's gone. <laughs> Come on, Sue, focus. <laughs> Meanwhile, the twins are still wandering around the woods being scared by owls. And uh, mm. finally, they literally bump into each other. It's half three. So Jeremy finds them. And uh, as he approaches, Jessica forces to purr. <laughs> But oh uh, get more big cash comparisons. Oh, this is so funny. Like, yes, because uh, apparently with his golden hair and gold flecked brown eyes, he looked like a leopard bounding through the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> My notes here just like, keep this bitch out of the zoo. She loves a big cash. <laughs> There must be a barring order at at the San Diego Zoo for Jessica Wakefield. Oh my God. Also, I have to wonder, is all of this happening while Jessica is dressed as Princess Jasmine and (gasps) Liz has like whiskers painted on her face? Because I hope so. (laughs) I we were told that they changed when they got home after the Mm. party. But uh, yeah, I like to think too that they are still their costumes. (laughs) So, um... Yes, she imagines him leading a dangerous expedition to a rainforest in Brazil, looking brave and powerful as he courageously fought to save the environment. I mean, keep those thoughts to your uh, for, for your you know late night um, moments, Jessica, because this is really not the time and place for your fantasies. <laughs> it sure isn't. Uh, but yes, Jeremy, when he meets the twins, then produces uh, the locket that he snatched from Sue. He was like, it was in the driveway. Her mother gave it to her before she died. And Liz shivers at the words before she died because everyone is just in like maximum spookiness right now. Oh, <laughs> and having premonitions out. and ill omens oh and God, God knows what else. over the place. Um, but yeah, so they realised that Sue obviously would have been very careful with this necklace because it meant so much to her. So um, Jessica's kind of like, oh, I just fell off when she left the party. <laughs> but Jeremy's like, no. 
uh, this this came off in a struggle or that's what we're, what we're worried about because that's what Liz uh, reckons too. So Jess is just like, oh, you're so dramatic. She can take care of herself. She's probably like in bed right now, sleeping like a baby while we're out here being idiots in the rain. <laughs> well, um, Liz says if she did come home, she'd have, you know, been home before the twins mm. left the house because like they were clearly staying up for a good while after they left the party. Um, Jessica says, well, she could have got a ride home with someone from Project Nature or staying over with them. But Liz is mm. sure she'd have called if that was the case. And they finally decide they should ring around, which they should have done like two hours ago. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it because she reckons Jeremy needs, he he knows everyone that was at this party um, or at least the Project Nature crew. So like, yeah. let's call them. But then Jeremy points out there's no phone uh, in the, the cabin. Um, but Jessica points out that apparently there's a cellular phone in one of the bedrooms because Lila used it uh, to call her mother at some point during the party, okay. I guess. <laughs> uh, but Jeremy's kind of like, oh, yeah, but uh, I don't have my address book with me. So he doesn't have any numbers with uh, him. So he's kind of making excuses to like, let's not go into the cabin. Um, so he suggests he's going to make the calls when he gets back to his hotel room. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, because he's he's staying in a hotel in downtown Sweet Valley. Um, so, yeah, they reckon that's probably the best plan. And all they can do for now anyway is just head back to the house and uh, he'll make some calls in the morning. Yeah. So they head off and Jessica's just can't even pretend to uh, care about Sue mm-hmm. or show any sort of gravitas. Turns on the radio and the sounds of a popular rock song blast forth. And Liz asks her to turn it down. And Jessica says, you don't like Purple Rain anymore. <laughs> Yes, Prince, you made the cut. I love it. <laughs> it's so unusual for anyone vaguely contemporary. I mean, I know this is a good few years after Purple Wayne came out, but like mm. Prince, still a big name in the mid 90s. Um, so, yeah, I'm astonished. Oh, stop. I'm still reeling from this Princess Jasmine con- like costume, to be honest. Yeah. All these, the references in the last book in particular were so current. It was weird because Sweet Valley is always at least 10 to 15 years out of date. Yeah. Uh, so there, I mean, maybe it's you know this is the the one thing that the new ghostwriters have been told to do is like don't pay any attention to anything that's happened in earlier books. However, like name drop anything you feel like. What are the kids into? Yeah. <laughs> so um, they just keep driving, and of course. Jessica uh, can't stop perving on Jeremy and thinks with his wavy golden blonde hair and strong defied features, he looks like the pictures of Michelangelo's David. She saw in her art class the week before. Um, Because I guess one minute she's a leopard, the next she's like a Renaissance statue. He's so hard to keep track of what he looks like. (laughs) But again, she's not even pretending to give a fuck now. She's just like, do something fun tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, she's like, let's go see a movie. And Jeremy's just very kind of non-committal, not really answering her. Uh, she's already sick of hearing about Sue uh, and worrying about Sue and looking for Sue. Like, she's not worrying about Sue, so I don't know where she's going with that. But uh, she's just so annoyed because Jeremy's, of course, only just gotten back from Costa Rica, as far as she yes. knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and all he can think of this whole time that he's been back is Sue. Uh, so this is one of their first nights back together and it's all been ruined because of stupid Sue getting stupid kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to express her indignation of being neglected, but she realizes she just said petty and jealous. And I love how she keeps going on about like, oh, Sue is so needy and clingy when she is like a million times worse. <laughs> and has been so from true. the moment she met him. Oh, you know, she's like, no, I need to be sophisticated and cool around and I'm just <laughs> clamber over these cinema seats and dump popcorn <laughs> for everybody. That's mature. <laughs> I'm a classy lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they arrive back in Calico Drive and Jeremy says uh, he'll come round in the morning um, before school to like, you know, discuss mm. this with your parents because they have to yeah. know. And of course, the twins have to pr- uh, make him promise not to tell the, tell Ned and Alice that they were out in the wee hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jeremy reassures Liz that he won't say a word. And it's like, don't worry, we'll find Sue. And this enrages Jessica because she didn't think she could bear to hear one more word about Jeremy's whimpering, simpering, manipulative ex-fiancé. I mean, if you're calling someone manipulative, Jessica, I'd, again, take a good hard look at yourself. Woof, I mean, <laughs> come on now. But yeah, so Jeremy apparently goes in for a kiss and she just like jumps out of the car before he can and heads off in a huff, slamming the door. So she's just had enough of him and all his Sue talk. <laughs> so mature, Jessica. That really makes you seem like a sophisticated adult. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Liz wakes early the next day and she remembers everything. Uh, it's a Monday morning, by the way, so like this big rager was on a Sunday night. <laughs> He's like, what's happening? <laughs> like, don't don't start giving us days of the week. Just say the next day. <laughs> We're not, we're not going to start keeping track of days as well as months. Come oh, on, guys. God. I mean, I, I simply refuse. <laughs> it's too much as it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she really hopes that she'll wake up and Sue will be in Stephen's room. But, um, of course, she has another psychic moment <laughs> and uh, the eerie premonition returns in full force. And when she looks in, the bed looks cold and sterile as if it belonged in a hospital. It's Stephen's bedroom. This room yeah. is not sterile. <laughs> Come on. I hope no one ever shines one of those blacklight things. Oh, in. Jesus. <laughs> Please, no. Like, this is an 18-year-old boy's bedroom. Let's not get fucking carried away here with the sterile nature of it all. <laughs> well, Liz realises that they have to tell their parents. And uh, we get a little recap of, you know, how much the parents have been through recently, I guess, because their daughter's so terrible. Um, <laughs> and Liz actually thinks maybe they should just send Jessica off to boarding school because she can't <laughs> bear the thought of her sister getting married at the age of 18 and throwing away her future. And I'm glad at least one ghostwriter was like, this is not cool. No, <laughs> yeah, this is so not good. Because of course, all along, it's just been Jessica like dreamily thinking about their wedding as soon as she finishes school. And it's just like, oh my God, absolutely not. <laughs> and everyone in school has been like, oh, wow, Jessica, that's so exciting. As opposed to, oh, Jesus, that's like a bit off. Getting yeah, married. They're, either, they're either excited for her or like just sick of her talking about it. But no one's been like, this is a terrible idea. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of Jessica, mm-hmm. she's having... It's truly insane and yet amazing. (laughs) That is like a Tim Burton meets, I don't know, Hammer Horror extravaganza. Like this is so, we clearly have a series that is desperately trying to compete with like the point horror of it all that Mm -hmm. was going on at this time because what is this dream? So it's got, it's Jessica, it's all in italics as well. So we don't really know where this is coming from or what's going on right as it starts. Uh, but she's at a ghostly Halloween ball uh, watching oh. figures dancing spookily together. It's like, how do you dance spookily? I want to know. You know, is it like Wednesday Adams dance in, in Wednesday? Because that was actually quite a good spooky dance in fairness. True. <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, witches and warlocks dancing together. Devils and demons are tangoing together. Apparently the woods uh, are illuminated by a large glowing red ball. So I guess it's a throwback to the fucking blood moon. Oh, yeah. Um, 
there's a bony white skeleton and an ugly witch dancing oh. a solo dance by the moonlight. So and subtle, then, Jessica. So oh your God. subconscious is so subtle. Honestly, the the, the depths of Jessica Wakefield are <laughs> not so much. Um, so apparently this like skeleton and witch weirdly transform into who? But Jeremy and Sue, of course. <gasps> uh, and she watches them kiss. Then the whole setting fades into an altar where she's watching them oh uh, kiss after getting married. Then the moment is freeze framed and being replayed on the video at Sweet Valley High. And all the kids watching are like cheering and clapping for the couple. <laughs> the camera zoomed in to a close up of their lips, which transformed into a huge, a pair of huge red clown lips with enormous white teeth. Now, this just makes me think of like Rocky Horror. Like the, the oh, opening. Oh yes! But like the mouth was wide open and laughing, laughing, laughing. It's <laughs> <laughs> the fact they put in the ha 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 with three exclamation marks, all caps, three exclamation marks. We are going hard on this dream sequence, <laughs> and of course. And Jessica bolts upright in bed, her body drenched in sweat, which is the way people obviously wake up from nightmares in uh, TV and film, but not mm. in my experience in real life. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But like, it has served to remind her of that mm. video that uh, that she saw when she went along to Amy's video club thing, um, because I guess she'd kind of forgotten about it in the meantime but uh, yeah so she remembers seeing the couple kissing who bore a striking resemblance to Jeremy and Sue um, and of course she kind of thought at the time that she was just so obsessed with Jeremy she was just seeing him everywhere but uh, yeah she kind of reassures herself that yeah this was just her imagination and it's nothing to really worry about uh, and then when she kind of hears voices downstairs she realises that uh, of course it's morning and we're going to have to tell her parents now that Sue has been fucking missing but mm-hmm. she's like oh maybe she's turned up in the meantime so she'll stop commanding everyone's attention because oh you know that's Jessica's job <laughs> it sure is <laughs> <laughs> but she can hear the kind of the tone uh, in her parents' voices and they mm-hmm. all sound a bit frantic and panicked. So she's like, ah, fuck. Sue clearly has not been found. So she's like, all right, how am I going to get Jeremy alone? It's like, come on, Jessica. How is that like, how do you think that is even going to happen? But anyway, this is what she's decided. She's going to plan some way to, uh, to get Jeremy on his own before he comes in to tell the parents about it. Like, it's so silly. <laughs> like, how big is the Casada Wakefield? If you know... <laughs> Well, she gets dressed quickly and then she does the hair thing. I can't believe that they're so obsessed with this upside down hair thing. It's so funny. Like they, like she's never done this before these few books and now suddenly she's upside down half the time fluffing her fucking hair out. <laughs> but yeah, like no wonder this is like a takeaway for so many people after reading these books as teens and it's like, yes, the old upside down hair trick. And it's like, nope, not if you've got Irish hair. Yo. <laughs> but it works for Jessica. She gets results. So she does her little hair trick. <laughs> of course she does. And she looks at herself in the mirror and is like, not bad for three hours sleep. But thinks <laughs> that uh, the sight of her will make all thoughts of Sue vanish from Jeremy's mind. She literally prances out then, skips out of the room. But um, as she goes down the hall, like, bear in mind, um, oh no, sorry, the doorbell hadn't rung yet. Sorry, she Mm. just knew he was going to come round. Um, But uh, yeah, the doorbell rings while she's prancing and (laughs) she can't prance down to the door in time. And Ned gets there first and lets Jeremy in. Um, He reveals all, apart from the fact that the twins 
were involved in the search and says yes. that nobody in Project Nature has heard anything. And uh, Alice says, Ned, we've got to do something right away. Sue is like a daughter to me. I mean, you literally <laughs> never met her before this summer. And then your daughter wrecked her wedding. <laughs> the neck of Alice Wakefield. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, God. But of course, Jessica, when she hears this, she's like, oh first... God. Sue had tried to steal her fiance, and now she was stealing her mother. <laughs> Not a grip to be had with this young one, I swear to God. <laughs> so um Ned says he's going to arrange for a search party, and Alice very sensibly wants to call the cops and mm. says, like the weather was terrible last night. She could have had fallen in the woods, like had an accident, and yeah. uh Ned's like, okay, yeah, no, you're right. Let's call the police. But as he reaches for the phone, Jeremy stops him. He does, yeah. So he's like anxiously looking at his watch as he stops him, which is like so, so smooth. Wow, Jeremy, you're playing it so cool. Uh, so he's like, oh, maybe she's with Robbie, his good friend, Robbie November, or Goodman as his actual uh, name. Never. It'll be Robbie Boom. November to us forever. Yeah. Goodman, it'll never take. No. Um, so he says apparently he couldn't get hold of him last night and he's probably up by now. So Alice is like, okay, so why don't you give him a fucking call then, you weirdo? And Jeremy's like, yeah, yeah, okay. But uh, as he's about to very slowly make his way across to the phone, it rings. By the way, we're told Robbie was dating Lila Feller and was friends with Sue as well. He's not friends with Sue. No. Where did this come from? Yeah, they just, they can't keep any details about Robbie straight whatsoever, like, let alone anything else in these fucking stories. True. So, uh, yeah, the, the best is that uh, when Jeremy is you know, very slowly about to uh, make the phone call, his hands, his, his eyes are literally following the hands of the clock on the wall. He's so, oh so suspicious. Wildly, so he's like a cartoon character, like watching a clock where it's like his eyeballs have turned into clocks. Yeah. Because he's watching, <laughs> like, he's so bad at this. But, um, yeah, so this is the thing Ned puts his hand on the phone to give it to Jeremy when it rings, and Ned gets the fright of his life and he's like, Oh my god, what's happening? So he answers the phone, um, and he gets he gets everyone to be quiet, so he puts the call on speakerphone, and then everyone hears what comes down the line in a muffled tone. <laughs> And it's an ominous male voice that says, You don't know me, but I <laughs> Yeah, so it's, uh, he continues, I've got Sue. Oh, yeah, it's muffled. So like, I've got Sue, but don't worry. You're safe and sound. <laughs> I'm not Jim Henson creation. <laughs> Cookie Monster Werewolf, is that you? <laughs> no, no, it's a different guy. <laughs> I do one voice. <laughs> I'm, also trying to, I'm trying to spare your poor voice with your cold. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, Jessica frowns, feeling the voice was vaguely familiar. I mean, it is Cookie Monster Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> She's well acquainted. <laughs> <laughs> but she does actually feel worried for a second because, uh, you know, somebody genuine they know for sure somebody genuinely has kidnapped uh, Sue. Um, but uh, Liz is stunned and tells Jessica to shut up. And um, the gravelly voice continues. 
I would be happy to give her back to you for the small sum of $500,000. And we learn that half a million dollars is the exact amount of Sue's inheritance. Now, okay. Like, this is the meal quick this, fortune. This is, like, of course, a half million is a lot of money. Oh, I, this is, someone wants to give it to me. I'd be delighted. Oh, look at it. I'm not going to say no to it. But for to pull off this big scam with kidnapping and thinking you're going to just like run away and be set for life. And this is the meal quick fortune. Meal quick is clearly a load of shite. Yes. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> like even in the nineties, that you could buy five hundred thousand. I remember a big house on Aylesbury Road, which is a very posh street. Oh, in it's like the purple part of Monopoly. So exactly. Kind of, yeah. kind of univer- my is my universal way of yes <laughs> property value with Monopoly boards. But remember, remember house in the early nineties, like very early nineties, went for two hundred and fifty grand. And that was like a record, I think, for, mm. you know, a house in Dublin at the time. Sure. But within yeah. a few years, that was how much people were paying for like a three bedroom semi in Drumcondra. Yeah. And so by the mid 90s, 500 grand would probably have just bought you like a really big posh house in Kalini or somewhere. Yeah. So it's a lot of money, but it's also not... It's not a fortune in that sense. It's not like change your life forever money. It's like I can buy a house and a car and, you know. And I still have my job and go to work. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like you, you can't, the fantasies people have about this money are sort of, even you know, based on exchange or not exchange rates, inflation inflation at the time are just, I don't really understand how an adult wrote this book. <laughs> no, we're like at least make it a few million to kind of make it more plausible. <laughs> but one million, like actually, when did the first Austin Powers film come out? Like nineteen ninety seven, and the whole <laughs> joke is that the big, you know, oh, the big ransom is one, $1 million dollars. We all laugh. You're right. So oh yeah, that was like three, two years, two or three years after this. So after this. I'm sorry, meal quick. The, oh like, god! Seriously, You're struggling to uh, have any kind of dominance over the frozen food <laughs> sector because things clearly have not been going well for real quick. <laughs> well, the twins are, in fact, the Wakefields are all uh, don't seem to question this. I guess Alice knew how much the fortune. They all knew how much the fortune was, and apparently today, November the first, was the day Sue was set to receive her fortune. Uh-huh. Um. And so uh, somebody apparently, Liz is thinking, must have known that it would go to Sue today. I have so many questions about how this bequest works. So like, has Alice already had the money put into her bank account? And now it'll be like forcibly taken from her bank account to put it to Sue's? Like, (laughs) who's enforcing this? Like, what's the... It's so so woolly, this whole thing. But yeah, Liz is just like, oh, how this is so weird that it's the exact amount of the inheritance and the fact that it's this day of all days. Mm. Like, how who could have known this? Like, who, who indeed? Who could possibly be in the know? <laughs> well, the gravelly voice continues. It does. <laughs> and one last thing. I'm just going more Cookie Monster notes and said that. I can't even Do remember it. how he's going. <laughs> 
call the police. Don't expect to see Sue again. <laughs> so there's your death threat, not death threat, I guess. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that says, at least, not a lie. <laughs> oh, a chill, <laughs> chill apparently travelled slowly down Elizabeth's spine, but she'd have been really scared if she heard our version of the gravity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's not finished yet. But then he goes, don't do anything yet. I'll keep in touch. Expect me at five o'clock tonight. Stop. <gasps> oh, goes dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. So everybody freaks out all at once, of course. Liz is like, I can't believe this. She's been kidnapped. Jess is like, half a million dollars. <laughs> um, Jessica's freaking out. She's like, what if they've already killed her? And Liz is like, uh, Jessica, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's panicking. And then Liz starts to get teary thinking about her friend. Because, of course, Liz knows what it's like. For she was kidnapped before. <laughs> I could not believe that they had a callback to this. Because they threw it all the way back my goodness what a distance <laughs> like they've forgotten black lightning so many times they've forgotten margo or ip they remember carl the orderly carl the fucking orderly good for you carl <laughs> he gets name checked so they recap quickly just that yes uh he had fallen in love with liz uh had abducted her and taken her to an isolated shack um, but she had been rescued in time before he managed to take her away somewhere even more uh, remote. So uh, now Liz is wondering, are they going to be able to do the same for Sue now? Um, so yeah, Alice starts comforting her because yeah, I guess sometimes there is some lasting trauma from things that happen to the twins just every so often. <laughs> really surprised me. My notes say, now you have PTSD. <laughs> sure, why not? Well, I guess it could take a while to kick in. Mm. So Ned tries to figure out who could be behind this because it's obviously somebody, you know, who knew the backstory and he asks mm. Jeremy if Sue has any en- uh, enemies and um, <laughs> Jeremy's like, I don't think so. And Alice's like, no, Sue's so sweet. She couldn't be anyone's ev- enemy. And of course, Jessica <laughs> rolled her eyes. Of course she does. Because, oh, yes, uh, they don't know anything, of course, about, as in the Ned and Alice don't know anything mm. about Sue's faked uh, illness. Um, because Sue had asked the twins not to tell them about it. Well, she'd asked Liz not to tell. Yeah, but Jessica anyway. was not involved in any of this. She was not. I like We still haven't actually found out, you know, or seen the scene where Jessica discovers this in the first place. But anyway, that's two books ago now at this stage. So basically uh, the distant whatever. past. Yeah. <laughs> Won't get any resolution for this. I no. Think safely say. No. No, we need to get stop to stop being so hung up on details. But you know, oh, God. well, the Ghost Riders <laughs> certainly aren't. So That's the thing, they're not concerned. Why are we so concerned? <laughs> we care more about this series than they do. I think that's, that's very clear. Oh my God! Like to a ridiculous degree, but um, yeah. So they're kind of they're all kind of talking it through and trying to figure it out. Alice points out that Sue doesn't really have many close relatives, and the only other person in her family who would have been involved at all is her stepfather Phil, uh, whose name we couldn't remember last name last time. It was like first name, last name, stepdad. Um, Why well, did we remember his name was Phil? Oh, fair. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're not yeah. that bad, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's Phil Schmidt, and Jessica says, "I bet he's behind all this. He has an evil face." Jesus. Yeah, she's like, you probably planned it all at the wedding. Uh, and Liz is like, okay, that's ridiculous. He was really nice and Sue was thrilled he was there. Um, and Ned points out that, look, we're not professionals. We're all just, this is all conjecture. Like, and we're not actually getting anywhere with this. We have to call the police. Um, despite the threat. And Jeremy's like, no, no, you can't do that. He'll kill Sue if you call the police. And Ned goes, I will not be threatened by some thug. And Jess goes, Dad, Jeremy is not a thug. <laughs> and he's like, Jessica, I was talking about the kidnapper, not Jeremy. And she's like, oh, and falls silent. <laughs> but also, why is Ned not kicking Jeremy out of his fucking house anyway? 
I know to this point just say this is fucking insane. Honestly. Because <laughs> Liz watches the first of all, Jessica says, Oh, demurely. <laughs> which is <laughs> such a weird little note. And then Elizabeth watched the exchange with interest. Even though they wouldn't express it, she knew her parents disapproved of Jeremy just as much as she did. They respected his environmental work, but they didn't appreciate the fact he had cheated on his fiance, nor that he had gotten engaged to their 16-year-old daughter. It's like, you know, I apart from the environmental work, which obviously, you know, good for you, Jeremy, your underage sexing is... Uh, Oh, God, I'm afraid we just can't get on board with that. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, fair play for all the rainforest stuff. <laughs> well, Jeremy is all riled up and says that the most important thing is suit here is Sue's life and not the the money. And uh, Jessica starts thinking uh, what Sue's death would mean for her, and it is oh frankly terrifying. Seriously, yes. So she thinks to herself, she ponders that. Uh, you know, if Sue was gone, not only would she have Jeremy all to herself, but the money as well. She reckons oh Alice God. would probably put the money in a trust fund for her daughters and then Jess and Liz would each come into a quarter of a million dollars when they turned 21. Jessica envisioned herself at 21, a famous actress with a renowned husband. She and Jeremy would buy a huge house on the Malibu coast with a private yacht. They would throw wild parties and mix with all the Hollywood stars. And again, she is getting some mileage out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I love that uh, Stephen wouldn't get any of this money. No. No. <laughs> it's like, clearly this is for me and Liz. Yeah. Not our brother. Alice is just going to leave him out of it. Oh my God. It's so funny. <laughs> but, uh, so Jessica, or sorry, Liz is looking at her going to fuck what she do now. She's sure she's, you know, mentally spending the fortune right now. She's got that look in her eye. Yeah. And uh, Liz turns away and thinks, if anything happened to Sue, she resolved, she would donate her share of the fortune to wildlife. Oh, fuck off, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, she is just unbearable sometimes. <laughs> she really is. But then Alice has an idea of how they might uh, track down Sue. Oh my God. So amazingly, Alice has an idea. As you say, her eyes light up and she says, Ned, what about that special detective you know in LA? Your old college buddy, Sam Diamond, the one who solved that jewellery theft last year. Remember the case where the woman faked the theft of her own jewels in order to claim insurance money? And Ned's like, yes, Sam would be perfect. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. You've been keeping a private detective of Sam Diamond from us this whole time. Fuck you, Ned. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I got a her and oh, sorry. Nearly, oh, I was trying to be vague there. You nearly you think you'd have got them involved when your own daughter was kidnapped. I or, mean, or the various so other many, incidents that have taken place. So many times they could have used a private detective around, and yet. Sam Diamond has been been sequestered (laughs) in L.A. And it's like, how have we never heard of them before? Oh, (laughs) an outrage. Honestly, I'm so mad. (laughs) And actually, I do remember somebody, I think on Instagram, sorry, I can't remember who, was pointing out that there's the dearth of uh, new names recently. That like (laughs) we've had two Robbies, uh, two Roberts, because we had Lord, uh, actually we had the original Robbie October. Then we had Little Lord Lord Pembroke. Pembroke. (laughs) 
And there we've got uh, Robbie oh, November. Robbie November. <laughs> um, and now this is another Sam. Oh my God, you're so right. They just, the name generator was just on the fritz and it's like, I don't know, just pick another name from the books already. Oh God. <laughs> so uh, Jeremy is not, uh, is, isn't very enthusiastic about this suggestion. No, he reckons that if they involve an outside party, uh, it's putting Sue in grave danger. So he reckons this still counts as like getting authorities involved. Um, But Ned is not to be moved on this. He's like, nope, this is a good compromise. The kidnapper said not to call the police and we're not calling the police. We're calling a detective. So, uh, yeah, so he goes off to to ring Sam up and uh, kind of we hear some of the conversation where he's like, hello, Sam, it's Ned. Ned Wakefield. It's been a while. I know. Listen, I've got a rather peculiar case here. I can only assume that Sam Diamond is sitting, you know, behind a, a smoked glass door mm. with their name on it in gold, oh. feet up at the oh. desk, smoking a fag. Absolutely. Bottle of whiskey just, yeah. you know, <laughs> looking in the corner, maybe in a, in a half open drawer. Just, yes, it's oh. full fucking noir detective. <laughs> well, after Ned makes the call, the Wakefields realise that they haven't actually eaten anything and um, they are all quite hungry. So Jessica, again with these endearments that sound so weird coming out of a 16-year-old's mouth, she goes, come on, sweetie, to yeah. Jeremy and drags him outside. And he just follows along distractedly and she stares at him wanting desperately to re-establish contact, but he just looks blank. So, of course, then she uses her usual methods. Oh, God. Yes. So she's speaking softly to him and she's like, oh, I'm sorry about last night. And he's just like, what? Last night? <laughs> he's like, he's completely <laughs> vacant here. Yeah. And she has to explain that she didn't kiss him last night. So she uh, looks deep into his eyes, but apparently the expression is unfathomable. And he's just like, oh, yeah, that... So, so Jessica, like she's getting absolutely nothing in return here from him, but she's like, oh, I'd like to make up for it now. So she's using her uh, her soft, sultry voice, but she's kind of fed up of him, like not paying attention to her properly. Mm-hmm. So she she kisses him, but it's like very kind of just like smushing her mouth against his because there's like, again, no response from Jeremy. It's like he's resistant at first then slowly began to warm up and it's like, oh God, okay. But eventually they're like kissing properly and she's dizzy from the uh, passion of it all. But it's just like, oh God, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it really, she is, I know that he is a disgusting perv, but she is really worryingly out of control. Oh, she is. Like she's just, oh, not that she ever had that much cop on to begin with, but she did sometimes and it's just all deserted her like in this miniseries. It's no, quite she's annoying. just a tragic sap. Yeah. Well, in the kitchen, St. Liz is beyond food. She's like, how could you think of food at times like this? And Alice is like, well, we do still have to eat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when they call in Jessica and Jeremy um, for breakfast, uh, we're told, coming mom, Jessica returned, her voice muffled. She can't even take her lips off his face. At least I hope it's his face. She's in order to shift it. She's tongue still in his mouth. <laughs> oh no. Oh, it's gross. So um Liz knows that Alice is really worried and also thinks, you know, one reason Alice is worried is that if this kidnapper is going out of the, after the money, um, as it's in Alice's care, I guess mm. it still is. Maybe they'll go after the twins. Yes. But I mean, who knows where this money is now? 
Uh, honestly, <laughs> the money is resting in someone's account. We don't know whose. Um, but yes, yeah, so Jess comes in. She's like, oh, amazing pancakes. But then she points out that they're going to be late for school. Um, so Alice then reveals that there's no school for either of them until all of this is over. Uh, because she doesn't want them leaving the house until Sue is out of danger and they uh, catch this kidnapper. So Jess is delighted. Uh, she literally like, lets out a whoop yeah. of delight. <laughs> chill as ever and she's like hooray pancakes it is and Liz is just like oh my god how can she just be like so cheerful at a time like this like they've literally just gotten a phone call from an <laughs> ominous not totally cookie monster voice <laughs> telling them that Sue's gonna die unless they give him like loads of money but um yeah Jess is totally chill and just happy to have the day off school um but uh Jeremy can't uh, join them. He's got some urgent work to do for the Costa Rican assignment. So he has to um, head off to work because, you know, he's an adult with a job, which is why mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so horrible. Yes. <laughs> with his teen girlfriend. Um, but yeah, Jessica kind of pleads with him to like stay with them because they just stick together to help Sue. And Liz is like, oh, suddenly she's all concerned for Sue. But uh, he has to go. So he's like, no, no, I've got to make this big, important conference call. And this whole deal could fall through. So he has to get back to his hotel room yeah. for like this big, important nine o'clock call. Mm. So he heads off and yeah, Jessica can't stop him. But Liz uh, is very relatable because when she watches them walk off to the door together, she's annoyed by Jessica's show of devotion to Jeremy. What was happening to her sister? What had happened to the spirited, headstrong Jessica she used to know? I mean, we'd all like to know that. Really? I mean, she was a pain in the arse all the time, but she was our pain in the arse. <laughs> I never thought I'd feel this way, but yes. I mean, did you miss her? <laughs> well, they sit down at the table and then a car horn blasts from outside and they all freak out for some reason. Like, it's the kidnappers, but it's not, it's just the Myla. <laughs> yeah, like literally Alice is like, okay, everybody stay calm. But uh, Jess kind of runs to the window um, of the sitting room and sees that it is, in fact, Lila mm-hmm. in her amazing lime green triumph, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, Lila spots her and waves. Um, and Jess kind of says oh, that she's just going to be a minute, like holding up her finger. But uh, Alice intercepts her and says, OK, look, you can't tell her anything about what's going on. Like if anyone finds out anything about this kidnapping, it could endanger Sue. So uh, Alice is like, look, I'm going to take care of it. So she gets Jess to stay put and uh, and heads out to uh, to put Lila off. Yes, but she does do a particularly good job, as we will see. Um, so uh, we cut to Lila's POV. And when Alice answers the door, Lila is taken aback because Alice looks just, you know, kind of sickly and pale and drawn mm. and not herself, and she's acting <laughs> so strangely. She's like, actually, Jessica's not feeling well. She won't be in school today and looks surreptitiously over her shoulder. It's like, for fuck's sake, Alice. Like, She's so squirrely. Like, she plays it absolutely fucking dreadfully. So Lila is like, what's going on? Is she sick? Is she the flu? Like, what's happening? Um, and Alice is like, yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's got one of those 24-hour bugs. Um, and I was just like, what is going on with her? Because Alice is usually so warm and bustling and now she's acting as if she's committed a major crime. Um, and Lila also can like smell the pancakes kind of coming out of the kitchen. She's like, God, any other time she would have invited me in for some of those fucking pancakes. But uh, Alice just kind of basically closes the door in her face. She's like, oh, thanks for stopping by. I'll tell Jessica you send your regards, you know, when she wakes up. And I was like, okay. So when the door is closed and she's going back to her car, she's like, but I just saw Jessica in the window of the sitting room. Like, what is going on? And why was she so weird? Yeah. Well, she wonders if uh, maybe all this stuff with Jer- Jessica and Jeremy has finally gotten to her. I mean, it's gotten mm-hmm. to us. 
So, you know. <laughs> it sure has. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ned reveals that Sam Diamond is on Rouge Valley. And comforts uh, Alice and says, Sam Diamond's the best they've got. With Sam on the trail of zoos of doctors, I will not use a pronoun in this sentence if I can help it. The case will be solved in no time. <laughs> So, oh God. so of course Jessica's pissed off at her parents being concerned about Sue uh, so like, I mm-hmm. bet they think it's all my fault and like they don't even know about you throwing a wedding dress on purpose under a truck Jessica <laughs> so like count yourself lucky this is so true and uh, Liz offers her parents pancakes so that sends Jessica into a, even more of a rage Oh God, yes. So she's like, as usual, when when Liz is like shining, she's like, oh God, perfect Elizabeth, always being helpful when her <laughs> evil twin sister ruins everything. And they are hitting the evil twin thing really hard in these books. <laughs> I mean, the Marjo theory is I, getting Jesus, stronger. Gathering steam with every one of these <laughs> things, I swear to God. But um, but she knows she's being unfair to Liz because she's just trying to help and kind of cut the tension, but she still resents her anyway. Of course. Um, so um yeah so they um they kind of think about you know how worried they were at the time Liz was kidnapped uh, but it all worked out in the end and yeah. this will be the same it's all going to be fine um but yeah so Jessica anyway is just fed up of listening to everyone banging on about Sue and kidnapping and she's like right I'm fed up of this so she decides she has to speak to Jeremy her only ally through all of this so she excuses herself from the table and uh, runs up to her room to uh, make a phone call I just don't understand how she's completely forgotten or in denial about the fact that she saw him. Not only did she see him kissing Sue in the woods, mm-hmm. but also saw that video. Like there's oh. been so many red flags. It's just like my only ally, my the only person I can trust is Jeremy. Why don't they all against him? Even though I've literally seen him cheating on me twice. I know. Like she keeps just putting the video down to her imagination and then just accepted so quickly that he was just com- comforting Sue and it was her that was kissing like which yeah. is such bullshit but she's just like retconning her own memories basically yes <laughs> so uh, she rings the number even though she knows that Jeremy is going to be on his conference call so she decides she just interrupt him for a minute <laughs> look yeah, and she's like, oh, and then he can get back to his call and that'll be fine because that's how adults do things. Yeah. But uh, there's no answer when she rings. So she hangs up and tries again, thinking maybe she'd gotten a wrong number. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it rings out and she's like, oh my God, why isn't he in his room? He said he was expecting a conference call at 9am, you know, which is why I'm trying to ring him <laughs> to interrupt his work call because I'm more important. Um, but yeah, so she's wondering where the fuck he is. <laughs> Well, we cut to the Oracle office where both Todd and Ina have, Enid have turned up looking for Liz. Um, of course, she's not there, but the office is really busy. And Andy is on sports. Now, Andy was on design last yeah. time, which seemed much more in character for Andy. It did. But yeah, apparently Andy and Rod Sullivan, who I know I've seen that name before. He was the tonight. guy who was also doing design with. Oh. Wasn't he? Or was he a photographer? Oh, God, I can't remember. Oh, neither um, can I. God damn it. <laughs> but anyway. yeah, no, Rod Sullivan, wasn't he the guy Olivia was with who was into graphics like and the layouts? And None stuff? of these people are sports. No, but they're and yes. Now they're apparently the sports guys and they're just, they spent like two pages joking pervily about covering all the girls' tryouts. Mm. 
and yeah, uh, for various sports and swimming and stuff like yeah. that. And it's just like it's kind of chaotic, I think, in the the Oracle office is basically the the gist. Yes, uh, they're also throwing a football around, um, and Todd catches it and asks Andy, um, you know, has she seen has he seen Liz? And we're told lobbing the ball back to the muscular boy. Like Andy has been a kind of sensitive academic music guy. Not this sort of boorish jock. Yeah, he's a music guy and he was into his like marine biology as well. Yeah. He? And he was in that academic. Like, class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly he's this like weird like jock. Yeah. Tossing a football around and being annoying. And it's like, no, this is, they're just picking up names and going, this is this guy. It's like Charlie yeah. Cashman being in like oh, good in maths. It's like, absolutely not. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, because Pe- Penny tells the two lads they're meant to be reporting on sports, not playing them. And they keep goofing around and mm. just being annoying. And uh, Penny tells Todd that Liz actually missed a meeting today and they know it's, it's you know, this is like her. But then uh, Andy and Rod start singing, you're looking for Liz in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that in these books as well, isn't there? People like singing like real made songs, up, made up, real yeah. songs with like made up lyrics, like a lot of the time. Like Jessica has been doing it a lot lately, yes. and now Andy as well. Here, it's like it's obviously something the ghostwriters are just like into at the minute. Which you know I do enjoy, but they do sound very annoying when other people are trying to work. Yeah. Cheryl says, "When those two clowns come into the office, this place descends into chaos," which just seems very unfair to both of them who have never been like that before. No. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Did Rod become obsessed with Liz? Remember when when him and Olivia were still going out and he got Liz to help him with something? Wasn't that the storyline with them? Oh, the the plagiarism stuff. Was yeah. It, was that him? Oh God, I, I think remember. it was. Listeners, oh. let us know. Because uh, <laughs> you always do, because we're always remembering things wrong. <laughs> but uh, anyway, these two people have had a personal issue transplant, whatever their backstory is. Yeah. And uh, Penny thinks uh, maybe we should institute the Go Oracle program, referring to the Go Math experiment that had taken place at Sweet Valley High a few weeks earlier. Now, is that the end of the Go Math storyline because it, it looks seems like because <laughs> surely it was meant to be lasting all year like this was a whole thing oh my god yeah with Liz and all her fucking articles about it and being run in the Sweet Valley News and everything and now it's like yeah remember when that happened like what well, we're, we're done with that what's happening what's that was the point happening currently in the last book this is the next day and suddenly it's distant memory <laughs> oh remember that experiment that we did a while ago like I just don't know what's happening oh, anymore oh absolute chaos <laughs> Like nobody's per- no personalities have changed, mm-hmm. maths programs have changed. <laughs> like nothing's consistent anymore oh in Sweet Valley High. Completely. So Todd takes Enid aside in what is clearly the vast newsroom of the Oracle, oh and <laughs> reveals what Jessica saw at the party uh, in the woods. And Enid is shocked, and um, you know does say that like. Jeremy's just a prick and he doesn't know what yeah. she doesn't know what anybody sees in him. So they wonder if Jessica is bedridden with grief and Liz has had to stay stay home from school to comfort her. <laughs> uh, and they leave. She'd be hunched behind the computer. Honestly, this is so funny. Well, it's, it turns out that 
Caroline Pierce has been hidden uh, from view this whole time and says, what luck to herself, because yes, she has literally been hunched behind a computer near Enid and Todd this whole time, greedily soaking in the juicy information. Like, whatever, like, redemption arc Caroline got in her book, like, that is all just... Completely. She is back to a little fucking gossip gremlin, just like <laughs> lurking in corners, rubbing her hands together, <laughs> delighted with life that she's got this uh, this hot gossip <laughs> from all her lurking. So she's delighted. She's like, maybe I should work here more often because apparently she's in there to like type up an essay or something. Yeah. I don't. Clearly, you can just get away with wandering into the Oracle office any old time. I because guess. It's just bedlam in there. <laughs> also, it's mad that they were typing up school essays because mm. I was in college at this stage and we were still handwriting our essays. Oh, yes. There just yeah, weren't yeah. enough computers to go around. <laughs> well, on this bombshell, we are going to take a little break because, as you know, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'd like to share a little bit about the, net- uh, the network's other shows with you uh, every in, the, in our little mid-episode pause, or actually usually it's like three quarters of the, of the way through the episode because <laughs> we've forgotten to take a break. But this week we are halfway through and we're going to tell you a little bit about Agony Rants, um, which uh, we have as, as a special place in our heart. It's true. Uh, it's it's such a good show, lads, honestly. Um, but also, yes, it's dear to us because one of the co-hosts is our pal Gerard Farrelly, who used to work on our podcast and do loads of very patient uh, <laughs> editing and work on stuff for us. Um, so when all our Zooms fro- broke down or oh, our Zencaster files broke down. We'd we <laughs> be like, here are eight separate files. Yeah. Please make an episode out of them. Sorry and thank you. Uh, but yes, he's free of all that now. <laughs> and he is. Uh, hosting Agony Rants with absolute fucking legend Neve Kavanagh, who is, oh. of course, a full on Eurovision winner and like absolute national treasure. Like, In Your Eyes remains one of the greatest songs just of all time, oh. let alone from Eurovision. Magnificent. Um, it's just amazing. Um, but yeah, so the two of them have the chats, they solve listener problems, and they have an absolute laugh. Like, if you've seen any of the little clips on Instagram from their show, it's so fucking funny. Like, they're absolutely gassed together, and it's just. It's great crack and you really should be listening to Agony Rants and you can have a little taste of it here now. Hi, I'm Gerald Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for a very long time. And we regularly solve each other's problems. And now we'd like to solve yours in our podcast, Agony Rants. It's a weekly show where we offer you unwavering support. It's true. And it's the place to go if you need a place to vent or to get thoughtful advice. It's a serious lawsuit waiting to happen. Now, Grudge, there isn't a problem that can't be helped by having a comedian and a Eurovision winner dissected before your very ears. Agony Rants is 40 minutes with two friends who just want to listen to you. Neve wants to listen. I dip in and out. Agony Rants has a new episode every Monday and you'll find us wherever you do your listening. And now... Back to Sweet Valley, where in the cafeteria, everybody's talking about the party, including the costumes. And apparently Bruce won first prize. Yeah, I totally forgot there was a costume contest, but of course there was. and yeah, no one can believe that Bruce won. Everyone's annoyed. Amy in particular, she's like, the last thing that guy needs is a boost to the ego. Um, but... <laughs> I had to read this a few times because I was so confused because Cheryl chimes in and she's like, yeah, it is unbelievable. I mean, a Porsche of all things. 
And then it's like the one of the best looking guy in school, Bruce Batman, drove a sleek black Porsche with one Bruce, one license plate. Like, yes, yes, that's all fine. He had been wearing a black mask at the party, but his Porsche costume was a dead giveaway. <laughs> Sorry, what? But that's that's all they give us. That's they don't tell us anything else. Apparently, like a black mask and a Porsche costume and I just well, I have to know more how do you dress up like a Porsche is it oh. like <laughs> does he have little braces over his shoulders that looks like he's sort of driving around oh, in like the a, Porsche like, like a little cardboard car like dangling from his shoulders yeah. that he's like stood in I just I can't figure it out because like at first I was like oh so he was wearing like a Porsche branded jacket or something but like no he literally came to party dressed as his car. Can someone do a mock-up of this? Because I simply cannot get my head around it. I don't understand. (laughs) Well, Winston says that uh, him and Maria's costumes weren't original enough, but we do get a reminder that they were, of course, Jean-Luc Picard and a Vulcan. Oh my god! I'm I'm so glad everyone else enjoyed those costumes as much as we did in that last episode because that was absolutely stunning. <laughs> well, everybody jokes around tediously for I'm not joking about I'm reading it on the Kindle, but it felt like it was about five pages, and it's, we're just not going to yeah. recap it because it's not funny. No. Um, but, <laughs> Basically, uh, Caroline comes along. <laughs> yeah, Caroline comes along, and uh, the only good part in this chat is when Maria says that Jeremy made a striking Aladdin, and we're told. <laughs> I say, Maria, what are you saying? Boomed Winston and the rich British baritone of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs) Don't tell me you prefer men with more hair. (laughs) Because, of course, he's had a series of disastrous haircuts uh, and basically has a crew cut now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, yes, Maria reassures him that uh, she loves him just the way he is. But um, yes, so then they're all kind of wondering where Jessica is. Yeah. Really, Lila's like, yeah, I've been wondering that myself. I haven't seen her all day. It's like, look, Lila, you literally saw her in the window of her sitting room and then Alice was all weird and squirrely with you. What's happening? There is too consistency within like a chapter in this oh. book anymore. Exhausting, lads. <laughs> but uh, Caroline, of course, knows all or at least knows something. And uh, we learn that she has a special gossip voice. Um, she goes, hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> and all eyes turned to her because when Caroline spoke in her in her slow, hushed voice, it's uh it's clear she has something of interest to impart. <laughs> I love that they're now doing voices as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to the listener if you're still listening who can stand us doing voices. No, they've uh, bailed on us at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We simply have made it worse, if anything, with the voices. <laughs> so, we will not stop. <laughs> since we came back from London, there haven't been as many. Well, that's true, actually. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but they're back, baby, this episode. <laughs> because Caroline says, Well, I found out that Jessica caught a lover boy in the arms of another woman. Fucking head hopper over here is wandering around. Because <laughs> Lila's like, What? Who? And uh, in a tantalizingly slow voice, Caroline goes, well, I believe it was. So. 
Yeah, so Lila dismisses it as a rumour, but uh, Caroline insists that it came from a very reliable source. Uh, And then Todd turns up and he asks Lila if she's seen Jessica around. Um, And she's like, well, no, we were just wondering where she was uh, as well, because it seems like both twins are missing today. And um, Caroline then says, oh, you know, maybe Elizabeth's uh, playing sick nurse to her lovesick sister. And Todd's like, how the fuck does she know about this? Um, But uh, yeah, he just reckons obviously somebody overheard them in the Oracle office, of course, that somebody was, in fact, Gollum fucking Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Gollum with a head of hopper hat. That's Caroline. That's quite the picture. Yes. <laughs> Mock that one up, somebody. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're all kind of speculating then about what's going on. They're like, God, Jeremy really doesn't get around, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, Amy's like, God, maybe, you know, Liz, maybe Liz is in love with Jeremy as well. And that would explain why Todd is running around the place. Lila's like, oh, come on, that's impossible. Mr. Yeah. Whitebread Wilkins is more her speed. <laughs> and then they just start making stupid puns about their yeah. uh, about their costumes, j- their stuff, costumes yeah. which is very tedious. But um, Sue is like, Elizabeth came in costume, but Sue came dressed like herself, like the wicked witch she is. Believe <sighs> me, Sue's the one to worry about. She's the witchy one. And a chill travelled slowly down her spine. Those chills oh. are multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> Hope no one's about to lose control. <laughs> oh, well. We'll see. We cut to the cabin where Zoo is still sort of huddling uh, um, in the, she's downstairs now. And uh, how the fuck has nobody else searched this place? Like, why didn't the Wakefields just go back to the cabin? Oh my God. It makes searches. no, it makes no get, sense at all. Oh my god! Yeah, basically Sue is cold and miserable uh, because she's trying to get a little fire on the go, but uh, she's like basically just throwing twigs in and hoping for the best. Yeah. And uh, the cabin is just so miserable and empty. It's like the cabin, yeah, because it's been stripped of its festive decor. And it's like, well, who came back and took down all the decorations? Like, what's going on? Oh, did Jeremy <laughs> like you know what? It's after Halloween now. We can't do any of these decorations. I just I can't be looking at these paper skeletons anymore. Okay, lads, it's all come down. <laughs> well, we learned what the the truth behind the phone call earlier. Of course, it was a recording, uh, and she had to press the play at the tape recorder and just like let it blather on. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, she as she as it happened, you know, as it was playing, um, and she could hear the Wakefields like gasping at the other end. Um, she was whacked with guilt, and she thinks how amazing the Wakefields have been to her, and uh, she just thinks, look, this has gone too far, and. I can't keep up. I can't keep this up. Um, I have to correct the situation before it deteriorates further. So she decides when Jeremy comes back, she's going to convince him they have to stop this stupid plan and her fortune. Um, Because I guess she thinks they can, like, they'll just own up that they are together and then whatever, fuck the money. Um, And she's like, it's my money. It's my decision to make. So she feels Hmm. a sense of peace wash over her for the first time in weeks. But then, who should enter the cabin? But Jeremy. It's Jeremy himself. And apparently he'd given her strict orders not to leave the attic under any circumstances. And it's like, without making it in any ways, not, she hasn't even got a cushion up there. Like it's literally just an empty attic with bats in the corner. It's oh. grim. <laughs> it's not good. But um, yeah, obviously she was fed up with that. So she came, had come downstairs to try and warm up as well. But like, and I do feel quite bad for Sue here because she's just like panicking that he's come in now and she's not where she's supposed to be. And she's kind of trying to run upstairs and then realizes the fire is going to give her away. So she just kind of sits on the stairs and waits for him to come in. And of course, he's furious when he does come in and finds her there. Um, 
you know, and then like starts demanding yeah. what she thinks she's doing. And she's like, you know, it was cold. And he's like, how dare you leave the attic and oh. light a fire? Do you want to get us both thrown in jail? And he's really angry. He yeah. comes towards her with an arm half raised. And here I was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. He has to die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did anyway, but extra dead now. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And like Sue thinks he's going to hit her. Uh, and she like is just really upset. She just apologizes. Says she was just trying to warm up and he just calls her spoiled and is horrible to her. Um. But he kind of points out that she's taking this huge risk now because the Wakefields are going to be like sending out a search party. And, you know, where do you think they're going to look first? Because apparently no one has searched this cabin all fucking day. Um, <laughs> It's just really bad. But yeah, he's yeah. just really horrible to her. Yeah. And yeah, at this point, I was like, I wish she had something to stab him with. Yes. Um, but like. None of even his stupid plan doesn't make sense because he's all like, Oh, where do you think they're gonna look, Sue? Where? Where do you think they're gonna look? And they said that at a search party, and she's like, The cabin. And he's like, Yeah. And what were you gonna say if they came in and you were sitting by the fire? And it's like, I don't know, Jeremy. Do you think they might look in the fucking attic as well? Do you think they're just gonna have a quick look in the door and go, Nope, not here? Like, it doesn't make any difference where she is in that cabin. They would find really- her. Uh, this is the thing. It's so stupid. Like, if he actually wanted to hide her, he'd put her in the fucking hotel room that yes, he's staying in. Exactly. And also, like, it's not like the attic is, you know, like a secret werewolf library, for example. <laughs> like, it's, it's there's literally a hook in the ceiling. Yes. Find it pretty easily. Also, it's got a window, so it's obvious to outsiders there's another room up there. There you go. Like, Liz literally saw the light in the attic from the window. <laughs> like, you can tell by looking at the cabin. I guess there's an attic up there. <laughs> Better check it. <laughs> So um, Sue begs for, you know, tells him to, you know, apologizes, begs mm. for forgiveness, but then you know, does tell him to calm down. And uh, then um, he, when she starts to cry, he does, he apologizes and he's like, oh, I guess the pressure's getting to both of us and snuggles into his arms. And, so, and Sue is like, you know, look what this is doing to us. Our love is more important to us than money. And uh, Jeremy's like, what are you saying, Sue? And she says... <laughs> She doesn't think she should, they can go through with the plan because it's just, it's not, you know, it's not right. And also yeah. it's really dangerous. They could get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Jeremy's like, well, it's too late to back out now uh, because we're in too deep at this <gasps> stage. But uh, Sue, she does plead with him, but she's kind of choosing her words carefully. Mm-hmm. She's like, you look, you know, this week, we do still have time to fix this. I could just show up at the Wakefields, tell them I've been held hostage and, and that I escaped. And he's like, no, they're going to check the story and they'll come back here looking for the kidnapper. Uh, and they'd search for him until they found him. Us, no, we've got to be safely out of the country before that search takes place. But uh, she's just like, no, look, I just feel so guilty about this. The Wakefields have been so good to me. Elizabeth is like a sister to me. Jessica can go to hell. Uh, she doesn't <laughs> say that, but it's implied. No, it's obviously implied, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but he's just like, look, this is already in motion. We've no choice but to go through with it now. Uh, and then he says, we're not really doing anything wrong. The money is rightfully yours. We're only doing this so we can be together comfortably. So like, I just don't even know if any of this is necessary. Like, wasn't the money just going to go to Sue anyway that day? Yeah. Like, they didn't need to do all of this. It just doesn't make any sense. Just like keep in your pants for like, you know, another week. It's <laughs> And then Sue has the money and can fuck off to Costa Rica or wherever they're going to go. Exactly. Like, it's so silly. But anyway, it's like, you know, it's not a Sweet Valley plot unless it's pointlessly fucking convoluted. Oh, very true. Very true. Because he's like, look, we're only doing this so we can be together comfortably. After all, we either live together in poverty or I spend the rest of my life with Jessica Wakefield. (laughs) (laughs) He's worse than death. 
Truly, it's come to this. I so, love the idea that like he will have to marry Jessica, like it's the nineteenth century, and he'll be the like only other option. Somebody will like you know it, it'll be a breach of promise case <laughs> if, he, if he breaks up with her. Like he is bound to be a to be her husband. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, so Sue can't think of anything else to to argue back with, and okay, just says, the money. The money is rightfully ours, she repeated to herself, trying to be convinced by his words. Like, Sue, come on now. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's kind of all put back in a box for now, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, later, Jeremy gets angry as he tries to set up the next recording because the uh, tape recorder isn't working. And apparently it's not like Jeremy to get so worked up. He's usually so calm and gentle and patient in difficult situations. Um, anyway, uh, he's clearly not the brightest uh, tool in the box because um, he just had to change the batteries, basically. And he's like, oh, yes, OK, that's much better now. And it's like, oh, my God, why are they telling us so much about the fucking batteries? <laughs> By the way, I just realised that I've mixed my metaphors there as I mocked Jeremy for not being the brightest tool in the box. But oh, it is he. That's, that's you really know, a if, pot, pot kettle black thing. It should be sharpest. If they're new, you know, they can be shiny. So that's True. something. Again, <laughs> there, could be a case, there could be a case made for bright tools in a box. <laughs> Again, I am on a lot of Benelin night, oh. day and night called the Bloomers. Poor Anna. <laughs> we can do this. We can make it through the rest of this episode. Forgive me, it's listeners. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so when Jeremy makes the amazing technical breakthrough of putting a fucking battery in a tape recorder, Jesus. he goes, beautiful. <laughs> As the tape... We wind slowly in its socket. And uh, he seems to win of himself because he goes, This time we up the ante by a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, for God's sake. Sue is like, What? Uh, and he's like, Yes, and it's now officially six hundred thousand dollars for uh, the long lost <laughs> Sue Gibbons. I think she's worth it, don't you? <laughs> and Sue is like, What? What are you doing? Why? So he explains that the Wakefields have hired a detective and they were warned not to contact the author. But Sue is like, we don't need more money. But um, Jeremy's like, no, but, you know, this is to make sure they won't call the police next time. <laughs> it's like, besides, old Ned's a lawyer. <laughs> he can afford it. <laughs> Not a very good one, though. <laughs> oh, well, apparently his reputation oh is... <laughs> Oh my god! I well, can't. We're coming to that, but uh, <laughs> say his reputation is undeserved. Oh my god! There has been a terrible misunderstanding. <laughs> so Sue is completely freaked out. She shivers mm-hmm. as he makes the new recording, and uh, he uh, he's beginning to scare her because he seems like a total stranger, hunched over the machine with a handkerchief covering his mouth as he spoke in an evil voice. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the money. <laughs> Cookie Monster, what's happened to you? <laughs> Things have taken a turn. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently this is really out of character of Jeremy. He never cared about money before now, but so what's you know, why is he demanding more and more? Mm. And then he's like, come on, Susie Q, let's go back upstairs, uh, which is pretty terrifying and uh, gets even more terrifying. But he produces a coil of rope. 
Jesus. Yeah, he's after pulling a chair up into the attic as well, I think. And yeah, he ties her to the fucking chair. She's like, Jeremy, what are you doing? Uh, and he explains that, uh, yeah, he's going to tie her up this time. She's like, OK, but I won't leave again. Do you not believe me? And now she's really frightened. She's like, like what is going on with this dude? But uh, he points out that if someone found her here, it would look suspicious if she was just wandering around. So they have to make it look like she couldn't get out. And she kind of agrees. And she's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, you know, this cabin is the most logical place to look for her. And even though apparently the trapdoor is well concealed, yeah. it could still be detected. So this is the kind of fail safe that like if someone was to find her in the attic, she's tied up to a chair. So it's it all checks out, basically. But uh, Jeremy's like, yeah, it won't be long and I'll come back and check on you. And uh, yeah, he just like fucks off and leaves her tied to a chair with like a red bandana around her mouth. Like it's terrible. Also, uh, I mean, it doesn't come up, but the loo. Oh my God, disaster. Like, like yeah. even Carl the Orderly gave Liz toilet breaks. That's true, yeah. Um, so Je- Sue rightly panics um, mm. as, uh, as as he's about, you know, coming towards with a gag and says, look, if I'm tied up here, I won't be able to call the Wakefields. And he's like, oh, don't worry about that. Um, so he comes downstairs and he goes downstairs, comes back with the phone and the tape recorder and he mm. puts them next to her back and is like, Oh, you could just about hit the buttons from there. So she's Jesus. meant to be able to dial a number behind her back. <laughs> yeah. And hit the tape recorder as well. Like, and do all this basically without being able to fucking see any of it. Like, it's so ridiculous. But uh, yeah, he, he kind of loosens, I think, the cords around her hands just a little bit so yeah. she can reach the phone. But he's just like, yeah, perfect. You've enough leeway to dial the number, but not enough to escape. And then Sue was like... Is he trying to make it look like she can't escape or is he actually trying to prevent yeah. her from escaping? And it's like, Sue, yes, this ship is <laughs> not going well. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then master criminal Jeremy reveals his plan to hide the phone on the tape recorder because he just drops a light cloth next to it. And it's like, as soon as you made the call, sweep this over the phone of the tape recorder, he commanded. Because if a search party does come in, they'll never find it. <laughs> I mean, if it's under a cloth, it's just, it's not even there. Like, who is going to notice that at all? <laughs> He's like the Wakefields on the object permanence. Like, they they can't see it. It's not there. Can't see it. Doesn't exist. <laughs> so we bandanas her up and leaves her in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So poor Sue is terrified when he leaves. Mm. And uh, eventually she manages to sort of wriggle the bandana off her face. But that's about it. And we're told from the first time since she'd been with the Jeremy, Sue questioned her judgment. The, really? the first time? Oh, <laughs> Sue. <laughs> Sue, you dumbass. Oh, God. Yeah, like, so she's she's thinking about how her mother never approved of him. And, you know, she hadn't believed that he really loved Sue, but uh, she can hear her mother's voice basically saying, believe me, he only wants you for your fortune. But Sue had dismissed all this concern because Jeremy had seemed so kind and loving mm. and generous. And now she's not so sure. And she starts to wonder, what have I gotten myself into? Um, so she thinks back to like that summer day a few months ago. It had um, all been Jeremy's idea. Let's go to Sweet Valley, he had said. <laughs> Like they didn't need to do any of this really, did they? They could have just pretended to break up yeah. in New York, yeah. not see each other. She'd get the money, job's done, like let's get the fuck out of here and go to Brazil or whatever the hell the plan is. No, it only was two months anyway. Like it doesn't exactly. say you've got to stay apart from them for the rest of your life. It was like two months is pretty easy. That's very doable. Like this is 
so ridiculous but anyway so basically this whole thing was Jeremy's idea he'd convinced her the money was rightfully hers came up with this elaborate plan like I'll say yeah. um, did it always but, involve banging a teenager Sue because that well, should have been like a you know a red flag right there several red flags <laughs> red blanket but like <laughs> yeah so she's just kind of just regretting everything basically mm-hmm. you know, longing to return to the uh, the innocence of the hot summer in Manhattan when uh, when her and Jeremy uh, were together and like before all this like Sweet Valley and before she got involved with Sweet Valley and the Wakefields and crime. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, so don't so we get a whole page, if not more, about how like the hellish discomfort mm. of uh, of be- Sue being tied to a chair for hours. And mm-hmm. it certainly really hits her that like, this is just crazy. They are committing a crime. They are mm. extorting money from somebody under false pretenses. Um, and uh, she thinks, how could she and Jeremy have planned to take on Ned Wakefield, one of the most renowned lawyers in Southern California? I mean, well, I, not for the reasons they think. <laughs> like Ned doesn't so much have an office in that building. I would say it's more a corner where he's given like a rattle and a few sheets of paper to just entertain himself for a while. Because, like, I'm sorry, one of the most renowned lawyers in Southern California who can't seem to stick to one type of law, oh. but just does a little bit of everything and hopes for the best. Like, who was also. Is- so funny. Stricked by Margot when she sent a letter <laughs> on fake stationery with no stamp that was delivered on like a Friday night or something insane. <laughs> oh, net. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> that went to San Francisco and I was like, what? what? Oh God, so funny. Michelle the voice. Oh, oh classic. <laughs> well, I mean, you're no Margot, so just oh, God. keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> not that you've even heard of Margot because she'd have mentioned. So uh, she then feels guilty thinking about Liz, who'd been like a sister to her, and she feels you know terrible about like lying about the weird blood disease and yeah. um and the whole time she had thought that she her actions were justified. Um by the way, the whole blood disease thing makes no sense now when this is all a scam. Like, what was the point of that? Oh, Jesus. Who, who even knows? Like, it really makes no <laughs> sense, unless I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she thinks the whole, you know, her, all her antics were justified up till now because her mother was trying to keep her from the person, from the person she loved, but now she sees Jeremy in a new light. <gasps> so we cut to the castle where Liz answers the door. And she oh gets God. quite a shock. Well, Detective Diamond has arrived. So Liz opens the door and is speechless to find an attractive woman standing on the doorstep because turns out Sam Diamond is a dame. What? <laughs> <laughs> My notes here were like, she's a dame. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Liz is completely gobsmacked at this. She's like, oh my God. Um, and uh, yeah, introduces herself and then Ned turns up and he's like, oh, hooray, Tam is here. Uh, Alice is like greeting her like an old friend. It's all chill. And uh, yeah, it's just it's so funny because then Jessica's called in and she like 
stops suddenly at the sight of the detective and she's like looking at her in amazement. Uh, and then Sam is like, oh my God, there's two of them. <laughs> How terrible for you. Well, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's introduced and uh, it's so funny when she introduces Jessica, uh, Alice does, then Jessica in her mind goes, yeah, the evil twin again. Like this is a second evil twin mentioned in the one book. So no word of a lie, Jessica. Just, oh my God. Um, but yeah, so Jess is really weird about the fact that Sam is a woman. Uh, oh my when God. Her, when it's just her and Liz. And like, she kind of goes, yeah, she's a woman. And Liz is like, yeah, clearly. Um, and Jessica's like, yeah, but she's a woman detective. Uh, and Jess is like, you know, detectives are always men. You know, Inspector Clouseau, Hercule Poirot, Philip Marlowe, Sherlock Holmes. And then Liz is like, right. And what about Nancy Drew and Miss Marple? And here I was hoping for a Jessica Fletcher oh. reference, but. No such luck. I literally said <laughs> in my notes, or Jessica Fletcher, star yeah. of a very popular TV show. Like, come on, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, Jessica's so weird about it. She's kind of saying that, like, that she couldn't be a good detective because she's a woman. And again, this is very not Jessica, because for all her, like, lack of feminist credentials, she would be impressed by a woman detective and think, oh, deadly, this bitch is cool as hell like it doesn't make sense for her to be like she can't do this job she's a woman it's also like i don't know how she'd make her arrest uh, an arrest or protect herself in those heels it's like do you not know that there's like female cops I like know. this is like three years after silence of the La- four years after silence of the lambs came mm. out in which jodie foster is literally an fbi agent i know um yeah. the x-files is on at this stage surely isn't it 94 like come on <laughs> it is it's just ridiculous yeah. so yeah they have this completely fucking stupid conversation that goes on for like five pages um of kindle anyway about how <laughs> um you know why does she if she's a detective why does she look like she should be on the cover of Vogue um, apparently by the way oh no she I, that was your outfit an outfit so we'll keep that to the end but she oh, is yeah. um, basically Sam's clearly making good money from her mm. detecting and she's wearing a you know a very chic ensemble yes. and basically Liz is like just because I I could be on the cover of a magazine that doesn't mean I won't be a great journalist and Jessica's like oh you think you could be a model and they have this stupid model chat that goes on forever but mm. also includes Jessica saying after all we were chosen to do a fashion spread for Sweet 16 before the Jungle Prom what do you think it's Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield supermodel trends very casual about the whole Jungle Prom thing there oh Jess oh my god I genuinely couldn't believe she actually just said like jungle prom in such a like lighthearted mm-hmm. like this is not a big deal manner. It's like, yeah, yeah, dude, the jungle prom, like the thing where your boyfriend died because you spiked your sister's <laughs> like this was traumatic for everybody. <laughs> and she's like, well, remember the jungle prom? What a time. Like, oh my God. Just. Also, remember that she didn't turn up to uh yeah. to the shoot <laughs> and then blamed Liz and it was part of the motivation for her uh. spiking the drink. Jesus, just yeah, no, uh, no recall there whatsoever oh. on, uh, on Jess's part. But yeah, this goes on for ages. Oh until my god, so long. Eventually, Alice, Alice just calls them down. Thank yeah. fuck. She's like, right, we're having a meeting. Get down here. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam is there. She's got a plan of action. Apparently, she's got like a special radio transmitter that can record and trace all incoming mm-hmm. calls. Um. So they're ready for the the kidnappers' call, and. Now, first of all, she wants to record all of the, you know, do an interview to get as much information as possible. So she starts Hmm. with Alice. And uh, while she's talking to her, the doorbell rings and Jessica runs out to let in Jeremy and uh, tells him she tried to ring him earlier. And 
basically he uh, <laughs> he's there's so many red flags here. But again, she was being really weird waking him up true. when he was meant to be having a meeting. Oh my god! Yes, because he's just kind of like, "Oh, what time did you call?" And she's like, "Oh, you know," she's trying to sound casual, but it's like you know around nine ish. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you must have called during my conference call." And he's very kind of unbothered by this, but uh, and she doesn't want to sound like she's nagging him. And she's like, "But I thought you had call waiting." And then he's like, "Okay, yeah, I couldn't interrupt the call though. I wondered who kept calling." And then she feels silly and embarrassed for like seeming so needy and dependent because she didn't want to come off like the pathetic clinging vine that Sue had been when like all she's been doing is like clambering all over him looking for excuses for the two of them to be together and he's just not giving her anything in return like it's just it's it's sad (laughs) I know it's just not the Jessica Wakefield we know and tolerate until I I love "Mm, let's not push it yeah (laughs) we'll go that far so she leads him into the sitting room we're told like a prize trophy it's more like a prize pig (laughs) and Liz is revolted and is like why is what's wrong with him why does he get Mm. to me and thinks there's something just a little too smooth Um, Mm. his face is like a mask so she decides to play detective herself Oh my god! Yeah, she's like, I'll be right back, and like jumps up and runs to like come back with a notebook uh, oh, and god. a pen because she's going fucking girl detective on this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, Sam is interviewing Alice about her relationship to Sue. So she goes through all the fucking. Oh, she's kind of she's leading up to the wedding, um, because she's like, you know, I wanted to help Sue with her wedding, but then, then, and Alice's voice breaks off, and Sam is like, oh, okay, that's alright. I guess Sam just thinks that you know Alice is just upset by this whole ordeal, and it's like, no, she actually can't bring herself to. Then my terrible daughter interrupted everything and fucking ran off with her fiance. <laughs> this is amazing because uh, Ned says, um, "Why don't we let Jessica take that question?" <laughs> first of all, Jessica, who first flushes, she lies. She's all like, "Oh, me and two were great friends," mm. and then says, uh, "Tells the tale of how she she uh, met Jeremy," and again, this slight air of weirdness about the the writing in this book. It's like, Elizabeth, listen with interest as Jessica began (laughs) presenting her side of the story. As if she's like a totally, you know, she's just up and stroll into this scene. It's like, oh, what's all this? Just objective observer here, guys. (laughs) Jessica's like, then I met this god. I mean, this boy. I mean, Jeremy on the beach. And, uh, says that he was the person she'd been waiting for her whole life and Liz like oh my god mm. and um, <laughs> so, and then, then says and then I found you the man of my dreams just happened to be the same man Sue had been raving about Sam is clearly thinking all of this is unhinged yeah surely I mean Sam seems pretty cool to be honest so yeah her, she's just her eyes just widened like, oh, yeah <laughs> yeah but she didn't say anything <laughs> Um, said, what a tale, thought Elizabeth. I mean, you said it. And Jessica says, oh, we didn't want to hurt Sue, so we vowed to avoid each other and stay away from each other. And Liz again says what we're all thinking, or thinks what we're all thinking. She's like, you tried as hard as you could to see each other as more like us, thought Elizabeth. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, so then Jess continues and she's like, oh, we couldn't stay away from each other. Um, So then Sam is like, so you called the wedding off then, like talking to Jeremy. And then Jessica has to cut in again. She's like, oh, well, you know, he was planning to marry Sue and he felt he couldn't leave her because of her disease and everyone's like her disease what disease and like Alice is like what are you talking about so then of course uh, Jess has to or no Liz explains about uh, Sue making up this rare blood disease in her effort to uh, to keep Jeremy with her like oh god and Jessica's like and her little scheme worked (laughs) 
No, we all read that book and remember she didn't want to tell him. Oh my God, it's so bad. But um, yeah, so she's like, oh, you know, she accuses then Sue of being manipulative and saying that she was playing on Jeremy's feelings because of how wonderful he is. Um, Liz is listening to all this and she's like, I am going to be sick. <laughs> and then Sam says, every time I say Sam, I'm thinking of Jessica Sam. Oh, like, could they not have called him or her Joe or I don't know. Like, Alex. Like, Alex. There's so many yes. names that could be girls or boys. Like, yeah. It's just this. Yeah. Um, but uh, Sam says, how was the situation finally resolved? And basically learns what an absolute menace Jessica is. Because Jessica says simply, true love went out in the end. And how did that happen? Sam asks sceptically. Well, I stopped the wedding, Jessica explained. You stopped the wedding before it happened, I presume, said Sam. Well, no, actually, while it was happening, she said, Jessica... Oh my god! And Alice has gone absolutely beetroot red listening to all of this because she's just like, "What the fuck have I raised?" <laughs> and like Sam is just like, "While it was happening, and how did you accomplish that?" <laughs> and Jess explains, like, "You know, when the minister, because I am minister, it was uh, Father Bishop, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, you know, said the bit about if anyone objective and anyone objected, and I uh, spoke, like they say, all's fair in love and war, right?" Like Sam lifted an eyebrow but declined to comment. <laughs> So I was just taking all this in and going, what the fuck have I walked into here? Ned, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> so lit and then a heavy silence hangs over the room after Jessica made her confession. Oh god. So uh Liz is like, let's have some iced tea. But <laughs> when um when the iced tea has been served, Sam interviews Liz and Liz feels bad, but she feels she has to say it. Um, she says that, uh, look, Sue has been doing some crazy shit to keep Jeremy, mm. like the blood disease and the, you know, and uh, maybe this is like a cry for help, essentially. Yes. And annoyingly, she wondered if she should bring up the light she'd seen in the cabin the night before, but then would have to tell her parents she'd been there. I mean, come on. Like, this is more uh. important. Honestly, yeah. But then she again talks herself out of even having seen it in the first place and it's just like, oh, I was just imagining things. Um, but yeah, so she does kind of, yeah, exactly, suggest that look, maybe this is a scam or just, you know, Sue is is trying something to to get Jeremy back, basically. And Jeremy's like, that's ridiculous. Uh, and he says that, you know, she's extremely grateful to your family for all you've done and she'd never put you in this position. But Sam is like, look, we have to consider every kind of possibility here no matter how mad it might sound yeah um and then jeremy gets all agitated and he's like but she's in grave danger and we're wasting our time here uh and you know if we spend time investigating this dead end we're going to allow the kidnapper to gain the upper hand and liz is kind of watching him with all this and she's like why is he reacting so so strongly to the notion that this you know isn't real um and then she's like he's probably just overly protective about sue <laughs> that's probably <laughs> all it is yes, <laughs> as he's yes. acting like Really fucking weird and getting really jumpy and angry when someone suggests that it was a scam. It's like, hmm, you don't think it's slightly weird behavior there, no? <laughs> oh, well, then we get, I think, the most outrageous and enraging recording of the whole book. Because uh, Liz is asked about her relationship with Sue. And says, well, we weren't really close at first, admitted Elizabeth. I didn't particularly like her because she was so focused on material objects. Like, that is literally the opposite of what happened. The whole point was that when Sue said things about, like, oh, I like it, want a nice dinner service. Yeah. So Liz was a bit, oh, I didn't, that seems a bit out of character. But Jessica was the one who was like, what are you going to do with that in the rainforest? 
Like, this yeah. is just not what the relationship was like at no, all. Not at all. Like, Liz and Sue were tight as hell, like, straight away. They got on really well. And all this, as you say, any kind of time she said something a bit materialistic, Liz was like, oh, that's weird. That doesn't sound like Sue. Like, that's, you know, not like her at all. So, yeah, this is absolutely bullshit. And just one more one more thing that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's so sanctimonious as well Um, totally uh, then she's like it soon became clear Sue's materialism was the result of her insecurity and then she reveals all about the inheritance oh my I can't believe they've all been talking for this long and no one's brought up the fucking inheritance to the private detective they've brought into this a ransom that is for the amount I know, like that is so like the first thing you would say. But anyway, Sam is like, oh, Susan Heritage. So then they have to fill her in on the whole fucking convoluted stipulations of Nancy's will and all the rest uh, and points out that basically today is the day that Sue was supposed to get the money. Um, So, yeah, like, I don't know. They just kind of are covering all ground that we know, but it's just to fill Sam in on everything. Yes. So uh, Liz is ponders what the, uh, you know, because now today Sue officially mm. comes into her inheritance. How? Who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> what the kiss in the woods means for all of this, because, you know, they haven't got back together, according to Jeremy. So, you know, that means that they Sue still gets the money. Mm. And... Uh, Sam does turn to Jeremy and is like, so you were willing to forego her fortune in order to get married? And Jeremy's like, yes, money didn't mean anything to me. And Sam asks who else knew about this um, inheritance. And Jeremy blames Phil. <gasps> Poor Phil, first name, last name. Yes. So he uh, he says that he was always resentful that, uh, that Nancy wasn't leaving any money to him and he felt that he deserved it. Uh, and Liz is kind of watching him closely as he's speaking, but she reckons that the anger is genuine, but something's not clicking apparently as he's talking. So he's really like pinning this uh, on Phil because he's like, he's trying to get the money in the most despicable way uh, and uh, points out that his name is Phil Schmidt because Sam is like, oh, he's Phil Gibbons though, right? Um, but yeah, so he kind of points out that he was married to Sue's mother for eight years. So he was like a surrogate father to Sue in name at least. And then he says he wasn't much of a father to Sue. He would preferred to have Nancy all to himself but then Sam is like right but he was at the wedding wasn't he and Liz is like yeah he gave her away or at least he tried to (laughs) (laughs) didn't have much chance (laughs) brilliant (laughs) and Jeremy's like oh I'm sure he just came out of duty Um, we had some business to attend to in LA and Liz is like "Mm, yeah he was really nice at the wedding but then he left straight away following the ceremony I mean What's everybody? And uh, he was too busy to come back after Sue's suicide attempt. That is true. That Um, is true. Does me wonder, is Jeremy in league with Phil? I I feel like surely we're going to learn something more about Phil because that is such a weird detail. That fact that he wasn't coming back after his stepdaughter's like attempt on her own life. Like there's just, there's no way. Like, so that's, I'm just like, did he hire someone? (laughs) Did they hire an actor to be Phil to come to the wedding? (laughs) And then I was like, oh, yeah, he, he can't come. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I have questions. <laughs> so many questions. Well, we've only got one book to go, so maybe they'll be answered. Mm. Um, so Sam asks Jerry about him and Sue. And he's like, oh, she's always just been like a sister to me. I let her talk me into getting engaged. It's Jessica I love. Oh, but God. I'd die if anything happened to Sue. And... Um, uh, as Jerry makes his tearful speech, chills run down Elizabeth's spine. Yet oh my again. god! So many chills, ups and down spines. Really? Well, Sam uh, sets off, but then she has a little Columbo moment. She stops in the doorway and goes, "More thing." <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, she says, it's imperative you don't let anyone know what's going on here. And I mean anybody. And Ned looks pointedly at Jessica and is like, do you get that? And Sam says, you could jeopardize Sue's life. I don't give <gasps> Jessica any ideas, Sam, because she'll be straight oh my in the phone. Seriously. <laughs> so later, Detective Liz confronts Jessica, who's watching Three's Company. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Why not? Um, so uh, there's just she feels something is wrong. Yeah. Um, so she drags Liz away from Mr. Roper and uh, takes her up to her room, which is clearly such a kip that Jessica collapses into a pile of clothes strewn across the floor. Like, Jesus Christ. Honestly, it's like a beanbag made of like dirty tops and <laughs> jeans. I'm just like, this room is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> well, Je- Liz says, look, I don't think Jeremy can be trusted. And Jessica's like, oh, here we go again. Um and Liz, like, look, he cheated on his fiance, cheated on you, and mm. L- Jessica can't take it anymore. Um, and uh, she, Liz, is like, look, he cheated on you at this yeah. party, and Jessica's like, he was just comforting her, yes, comforting mm. her. But yes. <laughs> Liz says, look, maybe Jeremy and Sue broke up because so Sue could get her inheritance, and the, so they can run away together. And Liz is like, or Jessica's like, you would have a very interesting theory. Except for one thing. <laughs> one little thing. And she reveals that thing. Oh, hang on. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> what was the thing? It's, it's that Jeremy didn't break up with Sue. Sue did break up with Jeremy. Oh. She broke up the wedding. Jesus, yeah, sorry. That just like I just glazed over that because I was like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, when uh, when Jess makes this point, then Liz is like, shit, yeah, she, she actually does have a point there that like Jeremy and Sue couldn't have orchestrated their breakup in order to gain Sue's fortune and starts to wonder if she's being paranoid but she still feels like something's not adding up here it's true though Mm. no just I mean they maybe they put a lot of faith in Jessica's psychopathy and knew she was going to do something there you go (laughs) maybe they could just tell by looking at her something something wrong with that girl (laughs) (laughs) but Liz is like look this is still there's too many coincidences like the the fact that ransom is exactly the amount of Sue's inheritance and the date of the kidnapping Mm. is when she's going to come into her fortune and uh, Jessica's saved by the bell Yes, the phone rings uh, and it turns out it's Todd. So uh, so Jess is like, all right, nice one. She's actually glad to hear Todd's voice for the first mm. time so she can get Liz off her back. So <laughs> so Liz has to pick up the phone and abandon this conversation for now anyway. <laughs> um, and Todd is, you know, obviously worried about her. Um, and she's like, oh, where are you? She's like, I'm in, he's, I'm in school. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> where are you? And she makes an awkward excuse about they stayed out too late last night. And he says, yeah. but, you know, you left early. So what's going on? And she realized Realizes that she can't if she stays on the phone to him for too long she really wants to tell him um, yeah she will blurt it all out so she basically is really awkward and he's he can tell something's up so she hangs up before um before she can you know lose the word of herself see and yeah she kind of yeah. pretends to be sick it's not very convincing though and mm. like he's clearly not really buying it either but yeah, yeah. she just kind of has to get him off the phone so she can't yeah. can't blurt anything out and todd knows something is wrong so we cut to Casey's where Lila is uh, taking a spoonful of her trademark million dollar mocha ice cream. It's so funny the things they get right in terms of like little character details. And yet Andy Jenkins is a completely different person. Yes. And uh, go bath is a thing of the past. Oh God. But the million dollar mocha, you don't fuck with that. <laughs> well, she finally asks Robbie, like, what is, what's the story with Jeremy? Like, 
you know, yeah. what sort of a dude is he? Um, and uh, like what's happening with him and Sue and uh, and Jessica? And we learn just how little Robbie, his supposed best friend and indeed best man, knows him. <laughs> because this actually blew my mind. Oh my God. Yeah. Because when Lila's asking, like, you know, does he always cheat on the girls he's with? Like, is this just the kind of guy he is or like his dating pattern? And Robbie's like, honestly, Lila, I have no idea. I've only been friends with Jeremy since I met him at the beach during that volleyball game a few months ago. And Lila's like, wait, what? She's like, he became <laughs> friends with Jeremy when he first arrived in Sweet Valley. And he's like, yeah. She's like, and how long did you know him before we met you on the beach? And he's like, oh, I don't know, about a week, I guess. And Lila's like, what the fuck? So he was in Sweet Valley for at least two weeks before he showed up at the Wakefields. And she's just, she's really suspicious. She's just like, so like, what was he doing that whole time? Was there some other like third woman we don't know about that yeah. was in his life then? Like, what is going on? Um, And uh, yeah, Robbie's like, oh, you know, when he first met Jeremy, he said he'd some business to tend to here. And Lila's like, ah, what kind of business? <laughs> but um, he's like, look, I don't know. I don't think it was girls though. So Lila's like, okay, well, Jessica's definitely better off without him. He's too old for her anyway. And it's like, yes, yes, he is. Thank you, Lila. <laughs> uh, and then Robbie is like, oh, you don't like older guys? And uh, Chris is like, oh, I don't mean you. You're only a couple of years older. And I hate that Robbie, like, I don't think their age gap is super, cre- like, it's grand. It's it's fine. Yeah, like, it's, no, like, it's, like it's, it's like a yeah, a junior and a senior, basically. Isn't yeah. It? Kind of, like, it's like he's just, the whole thing is that he's, oh, he's just finished school, but he's taken a gap year before going to college. Yeah, it's not crazy. Um, mm. But... Like, don't compare it. It's not the same as a 23-year-old. No. no. Um, so, uh, yes, we're reminded that he's on his gap year. And then uh, we also learned that his business course that he's been doing in college is almost over. The final is next <laughs> week. It's only the beginning of November. What the fuck is this college course? Two and a half week course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like a university Mm-hmm. business course that's yep. like early shorter. registration for those <laughs> <laughs> I mean, registration period was longer than the actual course Lila cannot have paid that much she was going on about paying the fees but pure, <laughs> surely they can't have been that expensive um, so yeah he's also excited about his art show in a few mm-hmm. uh, weeks and apparently the portrait of Lila is going to be in pride of place and uh, then, oh God, we could skip over this. Please. Just <laughs> fucking Another up. stupid, pointless fight. <laughs> I can't deal with these contrived, I thought Liz and Todd's contrived fights were bad, but mm. these are even more artificial because they're all like just stupid game playing. Because yeah. uh, Lila decides that she's going to have her revenge on Robbie for uh, doing life classes, which is what every single art student does. Mm-hmm. Um, says she showed the portrait she that of the Robbie did of her to her dad's friend, uh, who was an artist, and he thinks that she's an amazing model mm-hmm, and wants to do some nude paintings. <laughs> no question, by the way, from Robbie about like why is this old man, his dad's <laughs> friend, wanting to draw you in the nude? Your dad's friend wants to paint his sixteen-year-old <laughs> daughter in the nude. Absolutely not. So of course Robbie is like, no. What do you mean you're going to pose nude? You can't do that. And Lila's like, oh, why not? You said it. Was all professional as if these are the same scenario him doing life drawing classes are the same as an underage teen posing nude for her dad's friend it's like no Lila these are not comparable situations at all but she's decided this is yeah her way to give Robbie a taste of his own medicine uh, so they have a big glow up fight oh, uh, so Robbie stupid. is 
fuming. Uh, and yeah, and Lila's really kind of pushing it and being all like saying things sweetly to really like get a rise out of him. Um, but he's just like, no girlfriend of mine is going to pose naked for paintings. And he he just like throws money on the table and walks out of Casey's. And Lila's like, oh no, let me explain. And then she's like, oh darn it, I've gone too far again. And it's like, Lila, this is so stupid. Like her whole oh. relationship with Robbie is them getting into pointless fights, making up immediately and then getting into another pointless yeah. fight. And it's just like, no, I'm done with this. I hope he's gone by yeah. the end of this series because I'm so fed up of their stupid like nonsense fights they're just yeah there's oh, no need. they're so pointless and they're all just based on them like playing games or like yeah. just uh, really it makes the Liz and Tom and Todd contrivances seem positively mm. yeah wholesome yeah. truly so uh, back at the casa uh, oh by the way she does wonder when would she ever she had gone too far again when would she ever learn I mean when indeed Lila oh, can't learn on, Lila. soon enough for me <laughs> So back at the casa, Liz shivers as they wait for the kidnappers call. Yes. And uh, because Jeremy turned up a few minutes before five and everybody's all stressed. And uh, the phone rings and Jessica's like, they say a watched phone never rings. And Liz is like, what the fuck? Amazed, we're told, that Jessica could be so flippant at a time like this. I'm not amazed at all. No. The phone call begins in a very sinister fashion. Oh my God. Yes. The voice uh, comes across the line again. <laughs> I see you've disobeyed me. <laughs> began slowly. And it's the same muffled, menacing voice. Wasn't that so muffled and menacing? <laughs> Both of those things. <laughs> but Sam, but, uh, Sam, but Sam fig- is like, yeah. yeah. She, oh yeah, she cops straight away that it's a recording, basically. Mm. Um, um, the kidnapper <laughs> makes their demands. Yes, uh, but yes, because they haven't cooperated because, yeah, he had warned them not to go to the authorities. Uh, but now that they haven't cooperated, they have to add a hundred thousand dollars <gasps> to the original sum or little Sue's a goner. Oh, we should say that in the, in the <laughs> Cookie Monster okay. voice. Or little Sue's a goner. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and Jessica goes ah, sucking in her breath, and Je- Alice is like Jessica, shush. <laughs> so yeah, the voice uh, explains that there's like a drop off mm-hmm. Tuesday night at seven o'clock, and uh, yeah, so at Glens Grove Gas Station. <laughs> so off Route Forty Four. Where we're the new premises. <laughs> yeah, where's Glens Grove? Well, apparently it's by the cabin. Uh, Liz oh, notes yeah. in her little notebook, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's yeah she's taking notes the whole time. And uh, the, then the kidnapper reveals he wants the girls involved. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah, uh, so he wants yeah the two girls to do the drop uh, and warns to to leave the detective out of it or they won't see Sue again. <gasps> um, so the uh, the call ends and everybody looks at Sam for guidance. So she's busy kind of working with her little transmitter to try and figure out where the call has come from. Um, so yeah, so there's kind of a, a beep on her <gasps> little screen and it's a source unavailable and she's like, oh my God, it's a cellular phone. <laughs> the kidnapper's dream. It's impossible, <laughs> totally impossible to trace a call from a cellular phone. So, uh, yeah, so they can't do anything about uh, nabbing this guy before uh, it gets as far as making a drop off. So, um, yeah, so now Sam is like, OK, this is really concerning that this kidnapper seems to know so much and that I've gotten involved. Um, yeah. And again, it's like Alice is like, girls, you haven't said anything about this to your friends, have you? Again, looking point 
allegedly at Jessica. <laughs> and with good reason, as you'll see. But Jessica's like, of course not. She's like, look, we actually haven't talked to a soul. We've been cooped up in this house alone all day. And in fairness to Jessica, she hasn't actually spilled the beans to anybody. This is at true. This point. Neither of them have. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> but Sam is like, well, look, either someone's watching the house or this place has been bugged. So she has to go do a quick inspection of the house. And uh, yeah, so Sam is, is investigating doorways and fucking uh, light switches and all the rest for bugs I mean, because she's like, something's going on here. <laughs> considering Margot managed to creep in and out of that house for months <laughs> on end. Oh I my think. god, you'd think they'd thrown out house alarm or something <laughs> up there. <laughs> Honestly. Well, anyway, Sam checks it out and uh, everything's fine. Phones, mm. doorways, window latches, the place is sealed tight. Mm. And um, Sam warns them again just to keep their traps shut and says she's going yeah. back to her LA office tonight to follow up in some leads. I don't know what that means. What leads? <laughs> what leads, um, Sam? <laughs> Sam just had enough of this. She's like, I'm out of here. Fuck this. Some leads. Your daughter's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Sam's going back to LA to have cocktails with her friends? Yeah. Like, you will never guess. Okay, so do, do you remember Ned from college? Wait till I tell you what his daughter has been up to. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, Ned, the renowned lawyer, is it? Yeah. <laughs> tell us more. Did you hear that like this law firm in LA were fooled into like somebody played a prank on him and he thought they were like headhunting him because he was so great? Oh. Oh, sorry, it wasn't LA. It was San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. But, That's right. <laughs> but I'm sure the word will have spread all the way up and down the coast. Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she says, any transgression on your part could jeopardise Sue's life. <gasps> and off she goes. Um, and the phone rings and Ned angers, answers it in an angry fashion. <laughs> oh, yes. His, his tone is harsh. And he says, uh, what do you want now? <laughs> and he listens for a moment and goes, oh, Jessica, it's for you. Because it turns out it was Lila. <laughs> It was Lila all along. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, she um, she's like, oh, well, uh, that was quite a greeting. And <laughs> Jessica says, oh, sorry, he was expecting somebody else. And Lila fills Jessica in on, uh, as what Je- or Jessica calls, another Robbie fiasco. Yes. And the pair of them both laugh merrily over Lila's habit of sabotaging her relationship for no good reason. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> Jessica encourages her to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Lila finally asks why she wasn't in school today. And of course, Jessica, this under the, even the slightest bit of probing, like, <laughs> hey, why weren't you in school today? Jessica starts to tell Lila that she was held hostage. Yeah, she's kind of covering the mouthpiece with her hand because like she's doing all this while everybody else is in the room with her. They're just, just on the walk. other side of the room. How big is the fucking sitting room? Like, this is ridiculous. But but yeah, so she's covering the mouthpiece. So she's slightly muffled as she's talking and she says, look, we're staying home because Sue's been kidnapped. She's being held hostage. <clears throat> and Lila's like, you're what? She's like, yes, I can barely hear you. Are you OK? And Jessica's like, uh, OK, I got to go because uh, her dad and Sam are walking towards her, I think, at this point. Yes. Um, so then cuts to Lila, who is and I love this, her powder blue princess phone. Hey. The princess phones have remained in situ this whole time, which I'm very glad to see. <laughs> I also approve of this. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's what she was like, what the fuck was that? We've kidnapped an ostrich. <laughs> and then it's like, an ostrich, a hostage, held hostage. And thinks, we're kidnapped, held hostage. That's it. The Wakefields were being held hostage. Oh God, and in fairness to Lila, she thinks back and is like, so that's why Alice was so jumpy this morning and why Ned was so harsh on the phone. She's like, oh my God, this makes perfect sense. They must be in big trouble because uh, it's all clicking into place now. 
<laughs> so Lila picks up the phone. And that is the end of part one of Death Threat. The death threat. That's not really a proper death threat, no, but I guess implied. someone's being threatened. Yeah. <laughs> that cookie monster means business, guys. <laughs> sure it does. Things have gone wrong on Sesame Street. You know, we've got nothing to lose. <laughs> He's holding up there in that cabin in the woods. <laughs> Eating his cookies, biting his time. <laughs> <laughs> the cookie monster Unabomber crossover we didn't think we were going to get. <laughs> Who could have foreseen this? <laughs> um, well, do you have, not oh. stats, because we're going to be keeping them for next week, but mm. outfits? I do. Okay, we have a couple of outfits. I mean... If I can just circle back to this Porsche costume, because I still, I have so many questions. I, I genuinely can't believe they just said Porsche costume and left it at that, because that is just cruel, in fairness. <laughs> like, who does oh, that? Just <laughs> no further details. Absolute a black travesty. And dressed like a car. Just, anyway, okay. So, <laughs> thankfully. Dressed we do have Jessica, like a car. Sorry. Just, like, what, what is that? <laughs> Did he have working headlights? I just did he have little one bruise one plates on the costume? Like, no, oh, I, I I guess he must have. Surely, I mean, he has to have, right? Yeah, that's how I'm picturing it. <laughs> I'm yeah, same. Okay, good. Um, okay, so in terms of other less fanciful outfits, I suppose we do have Jessica. Uh, this is when she's right before she does a little hair flip fucking trick uh, she pulls on a pair of tight black jeans and a mint green scoop neck t-shirt uh, apparently a thick brown leather belt completes the effect casual but sexy again yeah, not very 1994 where people were wearing like little striped mm-hmm. like um, skinny red t-shirts and stuff TV show like, yes it's way more accurate very accurate to like 94, 95, 96 but anyway, yeah, look, it's it's also kind of a vague enough outfit, I suppose, that it's like it's just all we know about the top is that it's a scoop neck and it's green. Mm-hmm. So I guess it could be any kind of a T-shirt or top. True, true. Yeah. Tight, like tight black jeans are kind of always in or out of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, fairly staple kind of items. But the big brown leather belt, actually, that is kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good mental image, but yes. It is, it is. Um, okay, and then, yes, okay, so the best outfit in this first half, for sure, oh, goes yeah. to... The fucking <laughs> dame detective, <laughs> Sam Diamond. Uh, because when we meet her standing on the doorstep, she is a, yeah, she's a young woman. We know that much. But uh, she has short cropped blonde hair and she's wearing a winter white Chanel suit. <gasps> Apparently she looks more like a fashion consultant than a private detective. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They're clearly paying her well if she could buy a Chanel suit. And- I mean, a fucking Chanel suit, fair play to you, Sam Diamond, because yeah. clearly that uh, jewelry theft case went uh, <laughs> very well for her last year. <laughs> Amazing! Oh god, but yes, that's our lot for uh, for outfits thus far. But there's a couple more, I think, later on in the book that, uh, Ooh, that we can get yes. stuck into in our next episode. Well, we will have the stats in the next episode too. But um, until then, let us know what you thought of the first half of Death Threat. Um, <laughs> were you as confused and, uh, by the terms of the uh, real quick heiress's will as we were? 
Um, what did you think? How do you imagine the Porsche outfit? Like, there's I so, just, so I'm, many I'm dying, dying to hear people chime in about this outfit because I'm just bamboozled by the whole thing. <laughs> well, you know where to find us. We are on Twitter at SPH Podcast. For now, I guess. Until oh, it yeah, eventually well, we'll just see how long that lasts burns into flames but look we're still hanging in there for now uh, yes you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com and of course we are on Instagram at svhpodcast um, where uh, uh, you had lots to say Pippian Shirley uh, we hope you're doing well Pippian uh, Shirley because uh, you you pointed out that people should wear sunscreen unlike the sweet Valiants because you might get cancer and have a melanoma as uh, as poor Pippian Shirley has had recently recently um so we hope you're on the on the mend um mm. but we will second her in saying wear your sunscreen and check your molds so mm-hmm. especially i mean even in this dreary weather where it has literally <laughs> rained every single day for this entire month in oh dublin God. literally it's like july came and it just hasn't stopped raining <laughs> literally hasn't stopped morning till night but i have been wearing sunscreen even in this gloom Mm. Um, but Pippi and Shirley also suggested uh, the expose we all want to see coming to Streamberry, the explosive <laughs> Ted Park docu-series protecting nature, nurturing <laughs> evil, that delves into the global eco-cult project nature that destroyed the lives of so many teens in the 1990s. Learn about the horrifying truth but beneath the greenwashed facade. Da-dum. <laughs> just genius. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, Some people took us to task for uh, implying that old buildings in California were from 1971. So we do (laughs) apologise. That was was just a jest. Lil Stargazer pointed out that her hometown was the first capital of California and has many old adobe buildings, maybe 200 years-ish. So there there are lots of of buildings that are maybe 200 years old. And... uh, uh, it is uh, it is true that when when you are in America, your sort of brain adjusts to that time scale. Because I remember mm. being in like Concord in Massachusetts, which is an amazing place to visit. It's like you know very historic, and uh, lots of very famous American writers either lived or or were uh, buried there. Um, but I was walking around going, oh my God, this building is like, look at this, look, this is from like the 1770s. And then I realized <laughs> I eat my lunch every day in college in a building, in a room that's older than this. <laughs> well, there you go. Half of Dublin is from the 1700s and previous. <laughs> yes. So it is a question of scale. It is what we're we're used True. to. But um, yeah. yeah, someday maybe we will we will visit California on a on a sort of double love tour and oh, see for ourselves. <laughs> we're gonna go on a hunt for the oldest building in California. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very happy that the tag yourself uh um I don't know what to describe it, a phenomenon. It's continuing. <laughs> uh, Rosie Static started us with Tag Yourself. I'm Bruce Patman's sex alcove looking for Lauren about being left out of Winston's documentary of romantic places oh. in Sweet Valley. Justice for the sex alcove. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, we're, oh, Maria Teresa Biblioteca said, I'm the two $20 bills on the cover, representing <laughs> the entirety of Sue's meal quick inheritance, which turned out to be quite accurate yes. in the end. 
<laughs> Sister Betty Confetti said, I'm Venice, Lila's evil twin, who successfully murdered the OG flat-faced queen in the pool house and buried her body in the woods so I can live it up as the richest and flat-faced and <laughs> flat-faced and deist. <laughs> girl in Sweet Valley long live the new Lila what the Wakefields can have like six straight up doppelgangers but Lila can't even have one guys she's the richest girl in Sweet Valley she has everything very good point <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Bowman 83 said uh, I'm the slight click the phone makes just before it rings <laughs> <laughs> Tina Marie 227 said, I'm the publisher's inability to decide if this is the third book in a five-part series or the first book in a duology sequel trilogy. Oh my God. Please make us just someone step in and fix it. This is ridiculous. Megay Lechat said, I'm the approximately 80th Halloween in this junior year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're all so funny. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I can't read them all, but they're all so good. <laughs> Plucky insulin set. I'm the Descanso Memorial with the wooden boss beneath the flowers and photos of James. I'm sitting on the murder pier just off camera to the left of Jessica, who is looking moody and wistful for Amy's film. R.I.P. Black Lightning. Oh god, I love that. Like we're so. <laughs> We're so justice for Black Lightning here and in the comments. Everyone's just like, this poor guy. Nobody thinks about James anymore. <laughs> OGW Nostalgia said, I'm Sweet Valley time. Brackets TM. Alternately traveling to the past, freezing time, repeating time and looping. None shall ever fathom my mysteries. None shall ever explain my inner workings. I'm a riddle encased in a mystery, wrapped in a silk blouse and chinos. Oh my God. <laughs> it's too real. KW <laughs> Thomas Book said, I'm the guy from Environmental Alert who snuck into the Project Nature Party and realised that their supposed spokeswoman couldn't go on the once-in-a-lifetime trip to Brazil she won because she was too busy cozying up to these LA interlopers. Oh my god, <laughs> brilliant. Okay, one more. <laughs> Jen B's Guild said, I'm the NYC-based CEO of Project Nature, wondering whether those two engaged employees who were only supposed to be in California for a few weeks are ever coming back. <laughs> oh, God, oh God, just one more. Uh, okay. I wish we could read them all. But um, Silent Spaces said... I'm the baffling combination of Christmas candy, rubber Halloween masks, and dollar bills on the cover, which I can only assume all belong to a stripper doing a nightmare before Christmas themed routine. You know, anything is possible in this town. <laughs> By the way, Lil Stargazer um, said about Go Math that they're. Um, but, you know, there wasn't any of this shenanigans going on in her um, regular classes. But in PE, it just sounded like it was absolutely chaotic and that they uh, they had to, um, the boys didn't want to include the girls. And oh, they gosh. all had to, like, go to the vice principal to get, like, their own um, uh, tennis team in the end. It's just seriously... I don't. I'm, I went to an all-girls school, so any of these sort of gender dynamics in mixed schools seem very uh, uh, exotic to me. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, maybe go math was the solution after all. Well, it did seem like it was getting results all right in its brief time while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> 
Liz Stargazer also basically said, what the fuck is happening with Stephen? It's now Halloween. We know this plot goes through Christmas. Where is Steve? Did he sleep on the couch for Thanksgiving? Did he go to Billy's family festivities for Christmas? Because we know that regardless of Ned's Jewish mother, he identifies <laughs> as a Gentile. Um, when did he say he's taken Prince Albert for a walk? Uh, Ms. Moore B pointed out that Trisha Martin died of a blood leukemia, which is a blood disease. Oh my God. Um, That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I think my favourite of all comments was just Flying Saucer saying, living for Liz, choosing the most authentic death threat for old Jezza, running him over, given she literally has previous for this method. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Brilliant. Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) Oh, um, so... uh, (laughs) Ernest and Shallow did say, I miss the old books. These are funny and unhinged, but I felt so much comfort in the Jessica is a psychopath and Elizabeth patronizes someone framework. So, and I I, I get that. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. There was a lot of charm to those old books and these are just fully off the rails. Like it, this is a different series. Yeah. All together. So, mm. um, yeah, do please keep it coming. Uh, we do love hearing from you and we uh, read and appreciate every single comment, even if we can't read them out on air because you're all just too funny. Um, and uh, there just simply is not time. So uh, <laughs> we're already at two hours and 20 minutes and like we're just doing half a book. <laughs> well, this was a bit over half. So uh, we had to bring true. it up to a to a cliffhanger. So um <laughs> Because otherwise, if it was literally half, it would have ended on a very boring scene. With yeah, like, it was that's Liz true. on the phone to Todd or something. To Todd. I'm like, yeah, that's nowhere to end it. It's like, oh, and then they hang up. The end. Okay, that's it for now. <laughs> it's like, ugh, buzzkill. <laughs> we also have to give a special shout out to Lisa Victoria Walker, who sent us Luke's werewolf poetry, which um, was an absolute joy. So thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, ingenious uh, I was going to say composition but of course you just <laughs> discovered it oh. wasn't uh, wasn't uh, found anywhere at all um, <laughs> so uh, yeah do keep letting us know what you thought uh, we really appreciate you uh, all listening getting in touch letting us know what you think uh, of both the the episodes and the insane stories themselves. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters next week in the clubhouse. And if you would like to join them and get full access to our bonus series, Pi Beta Alpha, you can do so by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, so if you just head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show. Uh, and for as little as five euro a month, you get access to all our lovely bonus content. And of course, every other podcast's bonus content on the network too. So it's a pretty sweet deal. Um, but yeah, so obviously our bonus content, because, you know, we never mention it. <laughs> um, so it's our PVA series. We're covering the TV show episode by episode. And it's absolutely great crack. Like the clubhouse oh. is the place to be. We've got posters up of all the cute boys. Oh. Uh, it's great <laughs> it is wild. Um, some of the outfits in the recent episodes are truly oh. things of beauty. You just have to see them. And like even the stills don't really do them justice. Like you actually need to see them moving around in these oh. crazy dresses and Enid's vast, endless array of Baker Boy hats. Like it's so much fun. <laughs> I do not know where you get you got Baker Boy hats in the 90s because you certainly didn't see them in any shops on this side no. of the Atlantic. Like are they custom made? <laughs> They just had a whole shelf of Baker Boy hats in wardrobe and they were like, right, 
the Zenith thing now. <laughs> I think they must have got a job lot of them because it is a low budget show. <laughs> they are doing the best they can with what they have and we love it. <laughs> we really do. Uh, so bye Beta Alpha Sisters. We will see you in the clubhouse next week. Um, I think you might remember that it is an episode with an excellent name. <laughs> So if this will tempt you to join any non-members, next week's episode is uh, is called Shakes, Fries and Videotape. And, uh, oh, that, like that is the best title so far. By so good. A long shot. It's so good. genius. <laughs> um, so uh, by the way, I see that coming up there is going to be uh, basically Jessica and Lila being Christmas caroled. So... You know, Ooh. you don't want to miss that. Just no. sign up now and work your way through your back ca- the back catalogue in time for the Christmas episode, which will probably air sometime in September. Because yeah. <laughs> nothing ever uh, tees up seasonal-wise, but uh, other stuff does kind of weirdly crop up, like referencing back and forth between books and TV show in like weird timing coincidences, but never like Halloween or Christmas. <laughs> oh, of course not. So uh, yeah, if you want to join us there, you can sign up at headstuffpodcasts.com um, and uh, yeah, you can sign up for as little as five euro a month and you will get access to us and every single other uh, bonus series on the on the network, which is a pretty sweet, sweet deal. So Pipe it Alpha Sisters, we will see you there for shakes, fries and <laughs> videotape. We'll see you in the moon beach. But everybody else, we will see you back here in two weeks time. There's going to be false moustaches. Oh my God, I can't wait. Again, there's going to be disguises. More moustaches. <laughs> there might even be more Cookie Monster voice. Who knows? You know, you just have to wait and see. <laughs> I will hopefully not still be off my face on Benelon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> whatever happens, we will be sharing um, the uh, the events of... I'm losing my train of thought now. I really am on the, on the coast. Death, death part two. <laughs> we will see what happens when somebody gets a death threat. <laughs> part two. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> See you then, that everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm going to go to bed now. Bye. Okay. <laughs> this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.